For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. This week's episode of Royals Weekly will be a little bit special. Sunday, July 9th was the Major League Baseball draft. We hosted a live watch along on YouTube, our YouTube channel. Check it out at youtube.com backslash at Royals Weekly. We invited Alex Duvall of Royals Farm Report and Joel Penfield of One Royal Way. Myself, Mike, Joel, and Alex discussed picks 8, 44, and 66 for the Royals. What you will hear after this is our discussion from that night. Fair warning, this episode is pretty long. Well, welcome to our 2023 MLB live stream. I am Marcus Mead. That is Michael Mead. He looks very much like me. The one who does not look very much like me is Alex Duvall of Royals Farm Report. Thank you so much for joining us. This is a first timer for us. So things won't be the smoothest on planet Earth, but we're going to give you all the analysis we can of picks uh, 8, 44, and 66 tonight. Uh, we'll try and keep up with uh, the different picks that happened before pick 8. Alex knows a ton about the draft. Mike and I know, I'll say, a medium amount about the draft. And so we'll try and lean on a lot of the expertise he has and, and throw a few of our own ideas here for what we want to talk about. But I do want to get started real quick with just uh, your guys' thoughts on how this class shapes up as a whole. I feel like we talk a lot about individual players and we've talked a lot about players who will be available for the Royals and all those sorts of things, but less gets said about the class as a whole. So Alex, what are your thoughts about this class as a whole? Off of this thing. I love this yeah. stream already. <laughs> Alex, on the, take on the, it away. On the draft as a whole, it's, it's hitter heavy. And it's like, it's tailor-made for what the Royals need in their system, right? They need college hitters. They need some upside. They need some floor. They need some safety. They need a lot of bats, and this draft has a ton of them. And I was just um, reading on Twitter that Keith Law's most recent update for the Royals is that maybe they're interested in Tommy Troy uh, with the eighth overall pick at an underslot deal, which would be fantastic. I have Tommy yeah. Troy – Oh my gosh, why don't I have my own cheat sheet pulled up? I have Tommy Troy like a tenth <laughs> on my board. If the Royals could get my tenth favorite prospect at eighth overall for a significant underhaul, dude, let's I mean, I'm in. I'm all for I'd rather have Matt Shaw, but it's fine. I digress. I would I would settle for this for a similar player from a similar profile with maybe more upside than Matt Shaw. I know a very good friend of mine, um, has hinted at the fact that uh, Troy has better bat speed, better overall raw athleticism, might be able to play a better second base, third base with a similar floor. He likes Troy a lot better than Shaw. So I'm all for it. And and that's the kind of moves they need to be geared toward. Excuse me, not Blake Mitchell, not Noble Meyer, not a college pitcher. Stay away from the arms. Stay away from prep catchers. Go get Tommy Troy under slot, Matt Shaw, whatever you got to do. Get one of these hitters because that's where the depth is. Yeah, I, I find it I, – I, 
that makes a ton of sense to me. Another thing I think about that isn't talked about, I mean, it's, it was talked about a lot early in this draft process, but isn't talked about as much anymore because people get enamored by individual players. This is a super deep draft class. They'll be able to get talented players at 44 and 66, guys you would maybe think, oh, in years past, these guys might have gone, the well might have been dry of guys you might think be, would be impact bats at 44 and 66. It won't be dry this year. It won't be dry of guys who are physical prep pitchers who they might be able to get at 44 and 66. The, the, the talent pool for this year is one of the deepest you've ever seen, including right at the top where you have three guys who would have been number one overall picks in any other class, right? Like, And there are years when Max Clark and Walker Jenkins might have been the number one overall pick when the years that the draft has been really down. And so the fact is tonight is an excellent opportunity for the Royals if they can play this draft correctly to end up with three players who have the potential to be impact major league players for them moving forward. Yeah, uh, I, I completely agree with you. We were actually just talking about this before. This might be the deepest I've ever seen the high school hitting class be the prep the prep bats, especially when you're looking for something like some power potential because there's a lot of guys that have it. You know, I'm not as big on uh, Tommy Troy as I am Matt Shaw, but if you get him under slot, I do think there's more position versatility with Tommy Troy. I don't I don't think he's a shortstop either, but I think he's got a better chance to play a solid third base. I think he's got a better chance to move to an outfield corner if you need him to. Um, but yeah, I, I really think, uh, Tommy Troy, if you can get him under slot would be great. And I think, and it's not just the, the high school bats either. There's some high school arms and you and I talked about it in our last episode that are pretty good there at 44 and 66. You know, we did it with uh, Kaderna and we've seen some positive returns this year on that. Um, I could, I could get behind a, a, an exciting high school arm at 44 or 66. I think you bringing up Tommy Troy brings up sort of the central question of this draft for the Royals at eight. And that is what's the money like, right? If it's always going to be a question for the Royals about what's the money like at that eighth overall pick. And what I find particularly interesting is the Tommy Troy pick could be a good pick, but it all depends on the money, right? If they're, if they save a million dollars to a million and a half dollars on Tommy Troy, yeah, that's a great pick, right? Like we can handle that. If they end up spending, you know, full slot on Tommy Troy, I don't know if I love that at eight. Right. And so yeah. a lot of this is going to be all about who gets picked. Oh, we're already we're already getting to the first pick of the twenty twenty three MLB well, draft. Yet, was, they haven't I, announced it announced I've it, but just heard Paul Skeens. Paul Skeens. Yeah. Jonathan Mayo okay. came out and just said it's gonna be Paul Skeens. All right. Um a pitcher, yeah. a pitcher hey, first overall. Undercutting your own teammate in right. this economy. Ouch. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is no interesting. <laughs> Although I've heard some things about Skeens, like he may not care about his teammates so much, but we'll see. Um, uh, yeah. So Paul Skeens, pitcher out of LSU. I know Alex, he's a, a generational talent in some ways, probably the best starting pitching prospect out of college since Steven Strasburg. What are your thoughts about the Pitts Pittsburgh taking, uh, Paul Skeens at, at number one, you know, this had to be to some degree about money because all the stuff coming out was that Dylan Cruz just wanted too much money. Uh, hashtag draft more hitters, baby. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't understand how you could watch what happened to Ace, and, and I get it, Ace Lacy wasn't this, but even Steven Watch Strauss, what happened to Mark Appel. Yeah, that's dude, my, that's mine right all there, man. the time. I don't understand <laughs> how you could watch hitter after hitter after hitter succeed and pitcher after pitcher after pitcher fail. And it's not that happens all the time, right? Pitchers have success, but man, I, you had two generational type of hitting prospects at the top of this draft. And you go with the pitcher. I mean, I get it. He's good, but. Ugh. 
He's very it, good. He's and, damn and, good. And, yeah. We'll talk about Paul Skeens just a little bit. Tall, right-handed, very powerful, very good athlete. Uh, was a hitter up until this uh, year as well and, and was pretty good at that as well. A guy who has electric stuff, high 90s fastball, just everything you look for in a pitching prospect, he basically is. But like we've said, like you can point, you can say the exact same thing about a lot of guys who went in the top part of this draft. Now, I will also say, if you look at this week's All-Star game, a lot of the pitchers in this, the starting pitchers that you'll see play in it were guys taken at the top of the first round. Garrett Cole was a guy taken at the top of the first round. There are many other guys who... The best of the best of the best tend to be taken at the top of the first round. Justin Verlander was taken up there. But we also know that to be a winning team, you need more than one great pitcher. You need a whole staff of good pitchers. And a lot of those guys are going to be found third through 20th round. And so Skeens is off the board to Pittsburgh here at one. I wonder, it'll be interesting to see the contract that comes out. Like, was he willing to just take slot value or did he take a little bit under slot value so that they could save some money? I'm guessing because they got Skeens and Langford and Cruz to essentially uh, negotiate against each other, that they drove the price down as much as they possibly could so that they could save some money for later picks. Which, by the way, if you... If you like, if if Dylan Cruz and Wyatt Langford didn't know each other and you're bidding against each other, then okay. Like, I mean, in some capacity, you're trying to make some money, go first, get the right team, get the right fit. Like, there's there's some things that like I understand about it. But if you're Skeens and Cruz, like, collude, get together. <laughs> We're not signing for less than nine point eight. It's not illegal. You can do it. <laughs> you can do it. We're not signing for less than nine point eight. We're the labor. We're the we're the workforce. We're not signing. We're not going to undercut each other. Like get in a room and and and. You well, guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, we are just weekly, weekly weirdos. The Royals weekly a staunch advocate of organized labor. Um, anyway, uh, we knew we heard that Washington was big on Skeens. Uh, we, they had, of course, probably that last generational pitching talent in Steven Strasburg. Uh, so we'll see here what they do here. You got to ask yourself, are they willing to pay Cruz's $10 million asking figure? I doubt it. And so it may not be a surprise to see Langford go two here and then Cruz go three. We'll see on that. Uh, I guess the question of the draft at this point is who's willing to pay that Dylan Cruz figure. Can I, okay. I, I sent this to somebody, the same person who tipped me off that the Royals were big on Caden Wallace last year. I sent this to him this year. I said, Hey, the twins have a massive bonus pool. What if they floated the idea to Dylan Cruz and said, ask for $10 million. Cause we'll give it to you. Oh, so devious. So Dude. devious. If if he fall now, I've also heard because what this guy basically said is Detroit's the floor. Detroit will not pass on Cruz for any reason, and like okay, probably yes, but dude, if the if if he's serious about ten million, you know how much how much money he could get in nil money if he went back to LSU this year. Not that that would be a smart decision, but do you know how much money he could make in name, image, likeness, like? If anybody's got the leverage to do it, it's the Golden Spikes winner from Louisiana State University. I don't know. I'm I'm kind of curious to see what happens to Dylan Cruz. Well, let's 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 turn our focus a little bit to guys who might actually be there for the Royals because Cruz isn't making all the way down to eight. We'll we'll tell you that. So, who are some guys that you all both like 
who might actually be there at eight for the Royals. We know uh, Alex has mentioned Kyle Teal. For those of us in the, for those of our audience members who haven't uh, been following Royals Farm Report at Royals Farm uh, and haven't been following Mike's Twitter account at I don't even know what it is. Some double zero four. I got like sixty okay. followers. <laughs> Tell us some players that you guys like at eight. Go ahead, Alex. So obviously Teal, the catcher out of Virginia. Um, I, I, I love Matt Shaw. I think he's just going to tear up professional baseball, and I just it crushes me that like he's the type of hitter that the Royals wouldn't consider because if you go back to last year, I think there's a lot of similarities between in terms of value between him and Jace Young, and it's like those are the types of hitters the Royals should be targeting this early in the draft. And to to hear that maybe they don't have any interest in that profile, it, it stings a little bit. Um, but Tommy Troy could be there. Prep hitters, Colin Houck, Arjun Namala. Like, you're talking about all kinds of talent that could be there at number eight. And it's it, – watch the Royals take Rhett Louder. I, I swear to God, if they take Rhett Louder, I will hang up. I'm not coming back on the show later. I'm going to bed. <laughs> <laughs> Here's my but, thing, though. At this point, are you thinking, Alex, then it, it's Teal at full slot or no one at full slot? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, that's where – I'm at that place, too. I don't want Teal even at full slot. And so all I'm thinking at this point is I hope they underslot someone because in my mind, the talents that are going to be left, the guys who aren't those top five, for those of you who don't know, the top five guys in this draft are Dylan Cruz, Paul Skeens, who just went, uh, Wyatt Langford, uh, Walker Jenkins, and Max Clark. So Beyond Dylan those five Cruz, guys, Dylan, Dylan Cruz, Cruz is now going to Washington. Washington. Okay. So okay. for the first time in draft history, teammates go one-two. Wow. LSU, man. There's a reason they were in the College World Series here. Uh, and so, yeah, they're going to recruit on that for days and days and days as well, by the <laughs> way. Uh, like they need it. Like they need something else to recruit on at LSU besides the mountain of NIL money they can offer players and the huge exposure in the SEC play. By the way, you all, we also put guys out one, too. Um, by the way, <laughs> the guys that choose to not come here are all drafted in the first round. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah. I, I'm I'm on the uh, let's make it an underslot deal at this point because that 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 layer behind those top five is so long, it only makes sense to me to be like, okay, we're not going to pay you full slot, Kyle Teal. Let's get Matt Shaw for half a million dollars less. Let's get EBJ or Enrique Bradfield Jr. for a million dollars less. Let's get Colin Houck for half a million dollars less. Something like that. And some of those guys I actually like better as prospects than Kyle Teal. Mike, you know, you, well, the Alex tried to scare us this morning on his spaces thing where they really started talking about, I'd never even, it hadn't even crossed my mind, the distance between eight and 44 and the number of teams that pick multiple times and all that stuff. And I'm like, uh, yeah, that I get it. Now the counter to that is like we said earlier, the prep class is extremely deep, uh, especially in hitters. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm similar. I'm a Matt Shaw guy as well. I love Matt Shaw. I, I would be fine with Tommy Troy. I think he's a good player as well. I'm not as high on Namala. Um, I'm not as high on Kyle Teal either. Um, but no, if we took a Matt Shaw or Tommy Troy, I'd be fine with that. Uh, I would want them a little bit under slot, but you know, it, it it's weird to be in that eight, eight spot. Cause you feel like the college bats, there's only a couple left that really deserve to go in that spot. And I think we just named the three. I, I wouldn't be angry with Kyle Teal because of the defensive value. Um, but I think at eight, you got to get somebody who has a chance to be an offensive all-star. And I don't know that Kyle Teal is that, but those two other guys I feel like can be. Oh, and quit it's, this Braden Taylor talk. 
Okay. Oh yeah, that's with the Braden Taylor talk, guys. Well, so I, I don't dislike thing. him as a player, but he's the kind of guy I, I hope falls to forty-four, or I hope you know I expect to go in the twenties, not not at eight. And he, I know there's like thing. an underslot, but even that you can get somebody, but somebody else better. I'd take Chase Davis underslot, or even Morales underslot before I did that. Here's my thing about like Braden Taylor. So the Royals have been mocked virtually every player under the sun who could exist at eight, right? Like every single one. Does this indicate to you guys that nobody actually knows what the Royals are going to be doing tonight? One thousand percent. Okay. Yeah. I I think some people. Yeah. This reminds me of the Frank Mazzucato draft. Like nobody had Frank Mazzucato anywhere near the top 10. And then. No, I didn't know who he was. In the basement throwing a fit. <laughs> well, here's the thing: the Royals are just notoriously tight-lipped. They're notoriously hard to to pin down. They do things that are out of left field in the draft. A lot of times, that can have a downside to it, right? <laughs> they missed the very obvious thing they should have done. But it also means that we really don't have a great handle on where they're going to go. I think we can boil it down to: it's either Kyle Teal at full slot, or it's one of other a handful of guys for under slot. And I wouldn't be surprised. If they're doing the same thing that Pittsburgh did and they're having these guys negotiate against each other so that they can drive the price down on someone like a EBJ, on someone like a Braden Taylor, on someone like a please Lord, no Noble Meyer on, on somebody, you know, somebody like that. They're trying to drive the price down on these different guys and say, you know, we think these five guys are roughly the same. We'll take the cheapest one. Yeah, and by is that this, you mean the the value of these five guys. You don't necessarily mean right. these are the same five profiles. And that's another thing no. that kind of gets me always. I always look at traits in the in the top ten. What trait is hardest to get for the Royals? I, I've I've always thought it's been power, and so I'll always give just the slight edge to anybody who can provide a little bit of power. And that's why I like Matt Shaw so much. I think his power profile plays a little bit better than Tommy Troy, even though Troy provides what I think is a little bit more defensive versatility. Uh, and yes, I do think his athletic profile is a little bit better, although his speed may not be quite as good on the base path. Um, yeah, so that I, I completely agree. I, I think that it's likely they're doing that and hoping that. I just hope the guy that wins the bid isn't Braden Taylor. <laughs> you know, let's talk dream scenarios. Let's talk who you do want to win those bids. Alex, everything works out from here on out exactly as you hope. Who are the Royals taking at eight and for what reason? If it's like... Like, like, doesn't have to be realistic. No, it's a dream, not, man. Not, it's a dream. It doesn't have to be realistic. Look, Tigers are not their pick. Hang on, let's. Okay. Well, we know who this is going to be, though. <laughs> <laughs> if it isn't, I want him. He's my dream. You're no. shitting me. Okay. Wow. Oh my. Oh All my. Right. Okay, well, it now, doesn't matter because Wyatt Langford's never making it down to eight. So that's true. That's true. Yeah, no. he would be my dream. And actually, I think when we did like a a dream thing. On the podcast, I picked Wyatt Langford. Um, it is the Major League Baseball draft, and a lot of weird shit happens. Um, and you and I were kind of, we talked, or I put this out there on Twitter uh, earlier. You know, we need two teams to do something wild, to do something way out of left field. And if that happens, then one of those guys that you think of as like top five guys falls to you at eight. Um, that would be fantastic. If it's Wyatt Langford, I would shit a brick. If it's Walker Jenkins, I'd be stoked because to me, to me, Walker Jenkins is the better of the two is why I got Langford three years ago, right? I got him. I got him ahead of Clark by like that much though. I love maybe, maybe that much Jenkins is a little, is, is, isn't quite the runner that Langford is. I don't know, but 
th- th- in terms of like profiles, I think Jenkins is Langford three years ago. So here's why I said we should wait because I was going to say the scenario where teams start passing on one of the prep bats. Let's say I was going to say, let's assume Detroit goes Langford, but let's reevaluate now. Langford's not getting past Minnesota. They, they big on college hitters. That would be like their wet dream. Um, so let's say that Walker Jenkins goes here and then, you know, Langford goes to Minnesota. Then Kyle Teal could fall. But let's say that Texas passes on Jenkins, Langford goes here, and Oakland passes on Jenkins because I think Minnesota preferred Clark too is what I understand. Then it's up to Cincinnati. Like Cincinnati has to draft Wyatt Jenkins, Walker Jenkins, or he could be a Royal here in the next 30 minutes. And like – I think Texas takes him here. The everything that we kind of understand about Texas is they preferred Jenkins, where as Minnesota preferred Clark, and maybe even Cincinnati preferred Clark. So it's hard to tell, and I don't cover other teams nearly as much as I cover the Royals, obviously. But I I think there's a world here, and I was gonna say Clark or Jenkins. I still think there's a world where Walker Jenkins gets all the way to the Royals at number eight. I just don't think it's likely, but that would be my dream scenario: is the Royals walking out of here with um, Walker Jenkins. If you yeah, do that, that, you did a phenomenal job, Kansas City Royals. And you may not have done anything. You may have just been like, okay. okay, easy, got it. All right, I'm making the question a little harder for Mike. Mike, let's assume that Jenkins goes. Well, I got to get the hard one. Let's assume <laughs> that, uh, you know, who, let's assume that L- Langford and Jenkins are gone. The top five is gone, and we get to eight. Who do you hope is still there? What is your dream scenario? If that's the case, if all the top five guys are gone and we get to eight, what's your dream scenario? Gosh, that's so hard. My dream scenario is they're able to sign Matt Shaw for under slot and then go at 44 and 66 and get elite prep bats that are still there. I mean, some guys with super power that are, are going to be phenomenal. Or I'd even settle for a a, a, a guy like uh, who did we show in Wetter. We talked about him the other day. Uh, he's a prep arm out of, I want to say... California or Oregon, somewhere around there. And uh, I'd even take something like that. But yeah, th- Matt Shaw under slot would be my my thing. Now, I've heard nothing about him being open to taking under slot money or that the Royals were interested in him. But that is my, that would be my hope. That's 1A. If, 1B would be Tommy Troy under slot. Um, what if Texas were to do what they did last year and take a guy way down the board for way under slot to push their next Brock Porter all the way back to their second pick? Because for the second year in a row, because of all their free agent money, they don't have a second and third round pick. So remember they got Brock um, Porter in the fourth last year because they took Kamara Rocker number one, mm-hmm. third overall. What if they were to keep pushing somebody back by taking an undercut? If they undercut somebody really big here, and I'm I'm scrolling Twitter. I'm waiting for it to come in so I don't hypothesize for no reason. But that would mean that both Langford and Jenkins are on the board when Minnesota gets up at number five, which just sets up because of Oakland. We know Oakland either wants to take like a Jacob Wilson or a Braden Taylor or a Rhett Louder. All God, we take need Jacob Wilson. Take one him. of them to get to Cincinnati, and both of them could be there for the Royals. That's I mean, what I'm saying. We need two people to make crazy things happen. That seems well, two crazy like things. Texas and Oakland. It's Texas, Texas and Oakland. I mean, Oakland, Oakland, I could see them doing something if the, unusual if, to try and get multiple picks of, of higher value to try and, because you know. If, because if 
Oh. Is Yours this is right louder. If the Royals take Jacob Wilson, I'm going to be furious. Oh, yeah. I'm going to be furious as well. But Alex has a lot of guys he's going to be furious about if they take. <laughs> oh, they, <laughs> you took, know. they took Langford. They did. Yeah, well, that they art, of course. Of course Smart. they took Langford, right? And so I think you got – I think Minnesota is almost certainly going to take – uh, Jenkins, Dude, right? I don't know. I don't, no? I don't okay. think that's a guarantee. I think there's a very good chance they prefer like a Jacob Gonzalez. Or right. A I Brayden like Gonzalez Taylor. a little bit. That's Gonzalez possible. is a guy I like a little bit, but at eight, oof, that's possible. I wonder the, – the team I think that Jenkins does not get past is Cincinnati uh, because the problem. Well, their okay. development system is so I good. Think, I think Clark was their guy. So like, kind of like Minnesota – I think they were in on Max Clark and maybe not quite on Walker Jenkins. I think there's a not if, – if Minnesota really did prefer Clark and Cincinnati really does prefer Clark and Oakland's going to cut an underslot deal, my very first mock draft had this exact same scenario coming up where you have an opportunity for Walker Jenkins to fall because he's not like the hyper-athletic um, center field prospect. Walker Jenkins is probably a right fielder. Dude, this is falling perfectly for the Royals just based on the way that we understand how teams value Walker Jenkins. This could be huge if he can get to number eight. We will see on that. I did just have a request from a follower to go ahead and just announce who's been taken so far. So far, it has been Paul Skeens at number one, Dylan Cruz at number two, Wyatt Lankford at number three. Or no, Max Clark at number three and Wyatt Lankford at number four. That is everybody who's been taken so far on the board. Still Walker Jenkins who's one of those considered those top five guys. Kyle Teal is still on the board. So many others are also still on the board. Okay. Um, we'll see. Texas has made their pick Minnesota. You're, you're of the mind that it could have, what do you give it? Give it a percentage chance. What is the percentage chance that Walker Jenkins makes it down to eight? Two thirds, 66.7%. You think it's 66%? I think that's the craziest. You giving me hope. <laughs> Don't give me hope. <laughs> Every math student wants Professor Duval because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this guy has no clue how math works. You think it's 66% that he makes it down to eight? That is a yeah, better same. chance he makes it to eight than not. Yeah. Now, I will say this is almost certainly a money thing as well, right? The fact that Jenkins if, – if Jenkins makes it to eight, it's going to be because he wants a certain amount of money that teams don't think he's actually worth. Will the Royals think he's worth that? I don't know. He is a very good player. I'll say that. He is a very good prospect. He has a ton of physicality. He is big. He is strong. He is a good athlete. He is the type of guy you're like, boy, we could turn this guy into a real major league player. But some teams don't like to go prep hitters. Some teams don't like to go prep guys at all. They prefer to play. And and Alex, you and I were talking about this before with Mike before this, uh, before we started airing. The Royals are moving more to a model-based drafting system and model-based drafting systems have more data on college guys. Okay. That's just how it is. Other teams often go with more college guys because they like the fact that they have more data. This sometimes drives those prep players down the draft board who some people thought talent wise belonged higher up, right? It's going to happen again this year to a few guys. The question is, is it going to happen to Walker Jenkins? Be great if it did, but we'll see. I do want to throw out a couple of other um, questions for you guys. We've mentioned somewhat, we've sort of been talking around draft strategy for the Royals. I'm of the mind that I would love to see them underslot, given who I think is going to be available. Based on where the board is right now, 
and, and our two thirds assessment that Walker Jenkins will be there. What do you think the strategy should be when they get to pick eight? Should they just go best player on the board or should they try and play money games to try and maximize their value in that way? Go ahead, Mike. Um, God, you know, if you'd asked me two days ago, I just said, go with the best guy on the board. Um, because I always, I'm always going to think you got to get a guy that can have a huge impact on a team in the top 10, right? You've got to go with some, somebody with some sort of a power profile. Cause the Royals, as I've always said, will never be able to pay for that attribute on the open market. Um, and I, I, you know, I do prefer college bats and things like that. But I think in the last day or two, I've kind of been convinced of doing some sort of underslot thing because I don't think the guys that I want are going to be there or I don't think the Royals are going to be willing to take them. I really want the Royals to take Matt Shaw. It's not going to happen, I don't think. And so then I go back and I look. I don't, I'm not a huge fan of Kyle Teal at eight. I can, I can talk myself into it because the floor is so high. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm I'm kind of talking myself into an underslot deal so that 46 and 66 are guys that I can really get behind and at least dream on because, you know, and I, and I didn't start doing that until I really looked at some of those rankings and you see, okay, like everybody from 25 to 45 is some sort of prep player and they are all have something really to carry them, whether it's a power bat or whether it's an arm that looks really, really good. Alex looks disappointed and pissed off. I assume he's just... gone now. <laughs> Jenkins is now gone. He is. Is he? 67, oh. 66%. <laughs> Don't take this guy to the freaking yeah. blackjack table. I know, right? man. <laughs> Don't go to Vegas with, with, uh, with Alex here. That's nuts. Okay, so what's the opposite go... of Rain Man? <laughs> so Straight the ball. First five. Well, that's I know. It, it really is. It is. It really is. It has been. And, and Which... I thought it was going to be chaos. See, so we didn't see that last year, right? Last year it was not that way. Last year we saw Texas throwing a big curveball in there. Last year we saw a whole bunch of different crazier things happening. But this year, among public evaluators, among people who are in the know, there was a consensus top five players, and all five of them have gone off the board in the top five picks here. And so now is when things get a little more chaotic in my mind because Oakland is got a lot of options and Oakland is a team that wants to save money typically. And, you know, we'll see what, what goes on from here, but so far through these first five picks, it has been exactly like most of us thought it would be uh, with these top five. We've talked a little bit about dream scenarios for the Royals. Now uh, Alex is now shot because he wanted Walker Jenkins to continue to fall. That's okay. You can still get to Kyle Teal, which I know you want in your heart's parts, um, but let's talk nightmare scenarios. <laughs> <laughs> we're not we're not balanced if we're not talking about our nightmares. You're not you're not a Royals uh, fan if you're not, not talking Royals nightmares. You're not talking nightmares. Um, what is our nightmare scenario at this point? Uh, at eight, at eight, everybody, let's let's do some therapy here. Jacob Wilson, I would just be in shambles. I again, if it's Jacob shambles or Rhett Louder, I may just walk away. I don't. I ain't got nothing else to talk about. <laughs> I'm just you're going to want a rant. You're going to want a, a vehicle for letting some expletives fly. I think this you can is see the Freudian it. slip because he just called him Jacob Shambles. <laughs> uh, or, or I've had too much to drink. I think he just called yeah, him Jacob I, Shambles, which is what he is. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure he's a good human being, but he's he's a hit tool. That's all he is. He's a hit tool from Grand Canyon. He's, uh, he's madrigal. So, if he if he develops, he's madrigal. If, like <laughs> if he develops, if he develops, he can be a fringe major leaguer. <laughs> like I have no idea. MLB pipeline has him like 10th 
or something insane. That's because Pipeline still rolls out a lot of old school, old head thinking about what makes a baseball player viable. So you'll see dudes who are like, well, this guy's a safe floor guy. They'll rate quad A players pretty high on their board, you know? And so, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not listening to that noise with a guy like Jacob Wilson. I have no interest in him. Somebody's rocking a very just disgusting mustache on TV right now. Uh, That's Skeens. That Mm -hmm. mustache looks awful. (laughs) <laughs> uh, real bad. But anyway, um, you're saying this, you, <laughs> this, this is, this is Tom Selleck. Look, he calls me about it every day. People, yeah. Look at the people in the background, just standing Dude, there like there's bodyguards. I, I saw a bunch of those guys marching through uh campus at Charlottesville a few years ago. So yeah, that looks very similar. Um, I recognize that polo anywhere. <laughs> oh, it's Deep getting dark cut. over here. It's getting it's dark. Right. Uh, anyway. Uh, Mike, what's your nightmare scenario? You said Alex well, has Jacob he, Wilson. What's yours? He stole mine, um, okay. which is Jacob Wilson. Uh, my other one would be Namala. You know, I Ooh. I I understand why people like him. I really do. Um, I don't see it as much. I I don't see it. He's got approach issues. He's you know swing and miss issues as a high schooler. That screams Bubba Starling to me. That screams, you know, guy, you know. I know Bobby Witt Jr. had some swing and miss issues in high school as well. You know, I just don't, I don't see it from Namala. I don't see him developing the power. Um, yeah, that's not my, I would stay away from him. Now, if we, if by some, I don't, this is never going to happen, but if you fall to 44, if you're taking him at later in the round, I think or later in the draft, I think there's value to that, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't touch him at eight, even for under slot. I wouldn't touch him. I'm going to go with either Rhett Louder or Noble Meyer at full slot at eight. That would be my nightmare scenario, right? If 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 they manage to get Noble Meyer for, oh, I'd, I'd want it to be like a million, but they're never going to get him for a million less than slot. Uh, but if I I could live with something like eight hundred, seven hundred grand less than slot for him, but and same for Louder. Neither one of them is taking that though, and so. If they try and do something like that, I'm going to be real disappointed. Uh, I'm just not. I'm. I'm not a fan of the drafting of pitchers that high, uh, especially prep pitchers, especially prep right-handed pitchers. And so, I'm just not there. I think their pitching development has got a lot better, and I think that is actually a reason to take that you pitchers later in the draft, yeah. yeah, not higher in the draft. Um, and so you'll find gems in three through t- twenty that they can turn into viable major league starters and relievers. No reason on earth to uh, get crazy and start just randomly taking Rhett Louder wouldn't even be the guy I'd want of the college pitchers, right? Like, and so, you know, give me Hurst and Waldrop if you're going to go college pitcher. Oh, give me uh, Dolander before him and all uh, day. Nah, I'm I not a big this, fan of the, Waldrop, but I, love I still, I still believe in Dolander. Yeah. I do. I love a split finger. Um, yeah. So we'll see on this one. Oakland's selection is in and we'll get a little clarity. Oh, oh, if you're an Oakland fan, you had enough they to be take? pissed about already. Jacob Wilson. Oh my God. Thank you, Oakland. Thank you, Oakland. Thank you. Now I just need Cincinnati to take Kyle Teal off the board and I'll be fine. <laughs> oh, you man. That pick? Yeah. Woo. <laughs> Would you don't like that pick, Alex? Smells like somebody just drafted Christian Cologne. I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's a good That's a good, <laughs> it's a good job that. right there. Except that you have zero percent chance of Jacob Wilson ever getting a hit in the World Series. That's true, yeah, because <laughs> uh, he plays for the A's. Yeah, my bad. <clears throat> hey, hey, that team has rebuilt and you know de- deconstructed itself a hundred times. They'll be back eventually. Um, if they, if but- they move to the Las Vegas, I hope they call themselves the Las Vegas Craps. 
<laughs> Here's my thing. You have to imagine, and I don't know what you all think, but I have to imagine that the only reason Wilson is the selection here is he agreed to take so much under slot, right? Like so much less money than his slot value. And they're going to try and take some prep guys with their next picks because – other than that, what is the what is the reason well, for doing it's, this? It's like, a little like it's a little like McDonald's and Capital Grill, you know. Like we would all love to eat at Capital Grill all the time. Sometimes you got McDonald McDonald's money, and he is the McDouble of the draft. It's like yes, you can physically eat it, but it's cheap, and that's why we eat it. It's not because it's the Wagyu steak burger at Capital Grill. You know what I mean? Right, but, um, but I am too poor to eat there at Capital yeah, Grill, so I'm not entirely sure what that is even. <laughs> Yeah, well, same. But it was a joke because Arby's, Arby's, was it Arby's? Ooh. No. Oh, yeah. Uh, Arby's Jack did a Wagyu. Jack in the oh, Box they? is their, is it Jack in the Box? Somebody, like some fast food joint has like their Wagyu burger. It was a joke, <laughs> Mike. Gosh, damn it. Sorry, dude. I don't get it. I'm poor. He's like, he's like, I couldn't tell. Uh, yeah. anyway. Are you sure uh, it was a joke? Are you sure? <laughs> uh, what I love about, or what I find so, but y- you kind of got to also say, well, Oakland is stuck here to some degree, right? Like they have to think that nobody is worth full slot at six, right? Or they might've given it to that guy, right? And I don't totally disagree with them. Like who is left after you've moved past those first five, who you're like, this guy is worth full slot at six because everybody behind him is worse, right? That's just not the case. Like this second tier, you're going to see a lot of money games played because it is so deep. I don't think Jacob Wilson belongs at the top of that second tier. I yeah, think that's what like Matt Shaw. That's true. I, I think guys like Matt Shaw belong at the top of that tier, you know, and a few other guys. But apparently, they really liked Jacob Wilson, or he was willing to take a lot less money than everybody else. You know, it's the second thing. Yeah, then that's that's. I mean, I, I wish people wouldn't put down that strategy as much. Oh my gosh! Like, okay, Joel says Rhett, and that, he just happens to be at the top of my feed. He says Rhett Louder is going to Cincy. Does he have inside dope or something? I don't know. Joel Maybe he's just wishing. Maybe that's Joel's wish. Friend. Oh man, damn it! And so that leaves. I mean, so Kyle Teal's you, on the board. Kyle Teal is Kyle, the Royals are about to pick. Wag into the idea that the Royals wouldn't pass on him. So here we go. I get to see Alex be made a fool of in real time. I here. don't see the Rhett Louder thing anywhere else. I kind of wonder how Joel knows. Yeah, this. that's my yeah. Let's uh, oh, let's double Pre- check. Preston, oh, it, never mind. Preston said the same thing. Preston just okay. said it. Uh, so apparently it's a thing. I just don't know. Are we that far behind? So there's I don't Kyle. Think we Teal. are. No, I'm sure I, I could I be. Guess I have some <laughs> gusto riding on the fact that I said they wouldn't pass on him. So yeah, well, let's mm-hmm. see. I believe it. I mean, I just we'll see. Yeah, and I'm not the hugest right. Kyle Teal fan, but I do. You know, the floor is good enough for me to get behind, and the approach is good enough. So, you know. That would be cool. I, I wouldn't be extremely pissed if it's Kyle Teal. Not not Jacob Wilson pissed or, you know, Namala pissed, that sort of stuff. Yeah, that I wouldn't be pissed at Namala because I think he's got a, a high ceiling and and I think that they could, you know, do they could turn him into something great and he would save a bunch of money because they're never going to have to pay him full slot at eight. But man, I'm so worried they're going to take Kyle to here. And it's not even like you ever, you ever get like overly anxious about something that you really shouldn't be that anxious about because (laughs) it's, that's where I'm at right now because I'm like, man, I know Teal is a fine baseball player, but I don't think he is the best option here. 
right? I don't think he's better than Matt Shaw as a prospect. I don't think the prospect of getting someone else and a lot less money spent is a bad one for the Royals. If they take Teal, I worry that that's going to hamper their ability to take some guys at 44 and 66 who I would really want. Um, We will see. If you haven't heard us talk about Kyle Teal, he is a uh, catcher from the University of Virginia. He is a left-handed hitter. He is gets pretty good grades defensively, uh, especially as a catch and throw guy. Uh, some questions about his framing, but that may not matter because they're going to go to automated balls and strikes before he gets to the major leagues. Um, you know, not the biggest guy, doesn't have a ton of power profile as an offensive player, but has done good things uh, in the past, uh, especially last year. Really put up an OPS over one, I think. Uh, had roughly the same number of walks and strikeouts. And so, you know, we will see what the Royals end up doing. It is Rhett Louder on my television now. Uh, at, at Kyle uh, Teal would be uh, one of the most athletic, like Jason Kendall level of athleticism behind the plate. He is, he's a very athletic dude back there. Uh, nothing like Salvador Perez. Salvador Perez, don't get me wrong, is a good athlete, but uh, Kyle Teal is better than him even. He's, uh, he can move. He's quick, really quick back there. Um, well, let me ask you guys this because, you know, we're talking about is, is the pick going to be Teal? Is it not? What would Teal have to do offensively at the major league level to make it worth it for you two? He's got to walk a lot because I don't think he's ever I mean, going to develop the power. So he's got I mean, he's got to be able g- to get on base. Give me a slash line. What does he got to do offensively to be worth it? At well, he's still eight? a catcher. I mean, right. uh, two seventy with an OBP that's like three forty, three fifty, and then he's got a slug over. 425 probably. Let me um, see if I can find somebody that's in the realm of like what I think he is. And then I'll answer that question a little better. Let's say he is um, Hey Song Kim, 255, 347, 410, a 155 ISO, 12% walk, 23% strikeout, a 112 runs created plus. Just 112. Just a little bit above league average, hit some home runs, hit a bunch of doubles. And then you're okay getting that at eight. Yeah, because I think he's gonna be a really good catcher. And I think and I think I think he hits more like two eighty, gets on base at that three fifty clip, you know, slug four twenty four thirty, and then you've got a one forty ISO, you've got a three fifty on base, you've got a one ten, one fifteen weighted runs created plus. And then the guy who's consistently in the all-star conversation, he may not be at every yeah. year, but yeah. Well, let's look at like, okay. So William Contreras in Milwaukee right now, one eleven weighted, weighted runs created plus he's an elite defender, 2.3 wins at the halfway mark. That's a five win player. Uh, JT Real Muto this year, one Oh two. So he's a league average hitter. He's been a very average defender. He's going to be worth a couple of wins. I mean, I think that's your floor is like a two win player. And it's, it's a little bit like Enrique Bradfield jr at a different position. And for a different reason, the floor is just a very valuable player. Assuming things develop on a normal regiment. Right. Um, and then the upside is like, I know Jason Kindle's the one being thrown around. I would say, I, I don't really know what a good comp for him is because I don't know that he hits like a lot of other catchers. Yeah. Um, That's the hard part for him is that like the lack of power and the way he hits is very different than other catchers. I mean, it's, you don't see guys kind of as small. I want to say as small as him. Like I want to 
in terms of his body and like the way he moves, I want to say Buster Posey, but he's not going to hit like Buster Posey. And he's so not nearly as you know, big. Well, he's certainly not as strong as Buster Posey. Yeah. And so you, you got to say like, well, I don't know who to comp him to, honestly, because and you hope his defense is, is superior. The thing that I, I think you, you're talking about Enrique Bradfield Jr. there, and I think that's a great idea to talk about their floors in similar ways because they're both premium defensive positions. And I would be okay with Kyle Teal if he were willing to take Enrique Bradfield Jr. money, right? Like the thing is, they're going to have to pay him full slot at eight. And what are you paying? Oh for? my you're God, paying- they're taking Blake Mitchell. No. Now, this Uh-oh. is uh, unconfirmed. But, Unconfirmed. Uh, Hold on. Hold on. Uh-oh. I'm seeing it from Joe Doyle. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> Alex? <laughs> I know you're not happy with that. I'm not either. Uh, maybe. Hey, let's ask this, though. Did, were they able to get him way under? Well, they had to have, right? Like, there's no way uh, you pay Blake to. Mitchell full slot at eight. That seems crazy. Right. Uh, and so this pick will have to be judged against other picks that they make later on. Now, Blake Mitchell, I mean, we can talk about him. Uh, he is a big left-handed hitter, I believe, out of Texas. Right now they call him a catcher. I don't think he's going to stay catching. Uh, we shall see. I'm trying to work the phone here. If you watch a video of him hit, he does have significant power. Uh, he is a guy who is... Still somewhat raw as a hitter, but the tools are there to be a significant power hitter. I think he's a corner outfielder moving forward. Alex looks like he's going to throw his phone through his laptop. Uh, But we're about to see the pick is now coming over our screens or my screen anyway. It's Mitchell. Uh, It's Mitchell. (laughs) Uh, Mike, what are your thoughts on Blake Mitchell? Catcher out of Sinton High School, Texas. To the Royals. Um, You know, I, I, I I like the power potential. I like the, from what I've heard, the approach, although it's so hard to judge a high school hitter's approach from, you know, all-star circuits and stuff like that. Um, you know, it's not, it's not great. Let me put it that way. I, I like the fact that he is a somewhat good athlete. Um, you know, I don't think he's a catcher either. I think, I think you got Wyatt Langford or not Wyatt Langford. You got Jenkins light. What you got at eight? No, here's the thing. Mitchell is Mitchell's not the athlete that Jenkins is, right? Yeah, he probably isn't. Right. And so that really limits what he can do. Like, yeah, he might be able to move to right field, but he's not going to be a good right fielder. Uh, Watch him run out of the box in these, in these, uh, in these clips. And it looks lumbery. It looks slow. He is a pitcher as well. I doubt they're going to, give him any run as a pitcher. Um, no. So they're showing him doing both, but you see a good swing there. You obviously see a good swing. You see power potential. You see, you know, a guy who, uh, who can, who can really hit the baseball a little bit, but man, this is a, this is not a pick that I would, uh, that I would think of. Alex, we still haven't heard from you. So when you feel like you can, uh, <laughs> when you're in you a safe place, there, when, when you're in a place where you want to offer thoughts on Blake Mitchell, you let me know. Let's, I, I just, I just need to know what they're going to do later. And I mean, the, the, the problem that we, that we talked about this morning, Marcus, is that there's so much distance between their picks that it's, 
I mean, let, let, let me start with Blake Mitchell. I had him number 16 on my board for a reason. I think he's a good prospect. But I had a couple pitchers in front of him, Colin Houck, some college bats. Like, there were better options for what you're trying to do, in my opinion. Now, what they're trying to do, I will, I, I would hope, if they give Blake Mitchell a full slot, if we find out later tonight oh. they give him a full slot, I mean, good God. I might have to come back on here just myself and just start – Every expletive um, you've ever heard. The 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 thing is, it's like it, there's so much distance. The Rays, the Marlins, the Twins. I think I, there's a fourth or a fifth team even that pick twice before you get to pick your second time. Which means there are going to be teams who try to do the exact same thing you just did with all the players you wanted to do it with. We know they like... I say that. I thought they really like Kyle Teal. So I've heard that like like a Brandon Winokur, a Ty Pete, um, a Dylan Head, a Charlie Soto. But how many of these guys do you think are realistically going to be available by the time you pick again? And it's like, I don't know, man. I just – I don't think well, this was the year to play the game. I really don't think it was the year. And if you were going to do it, the safest way to do it is to take the really good college hitter. Yeah, and if, even if it's not Teal, it's it's Shaw, it's Troy, it's Braden Taylor, who I would have been okay with there under slot. If you would, they basically just drafted college Braden Taylor that you got to wait on a few extra years, and it's like I just feel like what there's maybe some process missing. I know earlier we talked about how hopefully they're leaning on their model a little bit. I think that's an anti-model pick. That is like a what can we get for a certain number and a guy that we scout that we like? I don't think a model would actually tell you to take a prep catcher because prep catchers fail at a rate that might be worse than prep right-handed pitchers. I don't, I haven't seen that data in a long time. It's like 2018. So maybe that's gotten better. Prep catchers fail a ton, just like prep right-handed pitchers. It just feels like with the state of their farm system, you couldn't afford to take a guy who could become like a Gavin Cross, who has some serious strikeout issues despite the tools and the power, who could become like a Carter Jensen, who's having a really hard time getting base hits to fall because it's a very power, pull, happy, oriented approach. If he's either of those things, you really just shot yourself in the foot because you had so many safer options. Now, Blake Mitchell could go on a freaking run and become a top 100 prospect by next year, and we're all looking back and go, ha-ha, remember when we were worried about that? It's of course it's in the realm of possibilities, but your system can't absorb the miss. You don't have the depth right now to absorb it, which is why I thought they had to go Tommy Troy, Matt Shaw, etc. And I mean to pass on an Arjun Namala here, we've got to be talking about big savings. Like we better be talking about a four million dollar sign so that they have two million dollars for later on. Sorry. Yeah, the thing the thing that I would want to know the most about this, and I don't even know if they have numbers on that. I got to know bat speed from him. Like, what are we talking about as far as his ability to get to elite level pitching? So, you know, when you go to those showcase things, I got to know that he's doing the best against the best competition to even think about taking a guy like this in the top 15. Like that's, that's the thing for me. Like they better be damn certain he's not going to go into rookie ball and be overmatched by guys who were pitching in college. You know, now I will say this, he was an LSU commit. So, you know, he was going to go play at the highest level of baseball. They thought he was good enough, but yeah, it, 
it's scary. It's more scary than anything else. Yes. There's stuff to dream on with Blake Mitchell. I think his power potential is higher than a Braden Taylor. I think, um, you know, if he, if everything works out, you have a, a guy that hits in the middle of your lineup, but everything has to work out. And how often does that happen? Yikes. Well, th- that's the thing. You're talking about a very narrow path to a his 10% best possible outcome. outcome. Right. You're, yeah, you're talking about a very outcome. narrow band to his best possible outcome. And that's because right now he's being valued as if he's going to stay at catcher. And even if you, you look at what his game and you say, hey, he's got the game to stay at catcher. Even if you think that, the odds of him staying at catcher are not good. <laughs> okay? Like the odds of him ever just sort of going all the way through as a catcher are not great. Right now he's, he might be a good catcher, but the odds still aren't great, right? Because there are just a lot of those prospects. Okay. And so if he can't stay at catcher, what are his options? Right? Well, now he's got to hit enough to play first base or right field. If he can run enough to stay there, or now he's got to learn to play third, maybe be an average third baseman, real tough, right? Like it's, it's just, it's not real clear to me. Uh, says Joel wants to hop on. Okay. Uh, we'll, we'll, uh, We'll send Joel a link, but Alex take over for my rant telling the people that (laughs) I just wanted to agree with your notion that like, yes, absolutely. Yes. It was a safer pick to do something like take EBJ or Matt Shaw or Braden Taylor, or, you know, someone else who is going to give you a little bit more certainty in terms of their development. I see this. I got a question for you. How many more other prep bats did you like better than him? Good question. That were left. Yeah, I mean, obviously Clark and and uh, Jenkins on are off. on my board. One, two, two. Um, but the 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 biggest issue I have is. There are other bets. I would have rather had Ty Pete for less money. I would have rather had um, – oh, why am I drawing a ball? I would have rather had Dylan Head for less money. Like if you're talking about just across the board for the same amount of money, I would have rather had Arjun Namala. I'd have rather had um, – Hauk? Colin Hauk. Thank you. Oh, I love Colin Hauk. But – Would have definitely rather had him. If you're saving some money, okay. But I would almost rather have guys down the line for even less money – than than this pick it feels like to me you're getting a bad combination of talent and money now we'll see i have no idea how much he's going to ask for it just doesn't feel like a pick that's going to be super cheap and affordable like a frank mazzucato was frank mazzucato signed for like half of his slot if if blake mitchell signing for that i'll i'll feel better about it it just doesn't feel like that we didn't hear a lot about that just Oh, even my daughter's crying. She doesn't even like the pick. She, she hates it. She hates she it. She knows it's a bad pick. Uh, well, here's the thing. I mean, yes, we do need the context of who they take later. But I think what we're feeling is there were better under slot options, right? Like yes. Kyle Teal was the was the best full slot option probably. Actually, I would have preferred someone like Matt Shaw. But, you know, if he was going to take full slot, he was an option at full slot. I think all of us feel like there were probably five or six better under slot options we'd rather have. I just invited Joel Penfield of One Royal Way on. Hopefully he'll uh, hop on here in a second to talk a little bit about he how he feels about this pick. But we will need to see how much money was saved. We will need to see who who those next picks are, whether or not those those tier two prep guys last until 44, 66. And then 
one other thing we'll need to see is, and I'll need to see is when he gets into pro ball, does it look like he can stay at catcher? Let's think of dream scenario here for him. He can stay at catcher. He can be a league average catcher or maybe above, right? And he can still hit with his 55 hit tool, his 55 power. That's the, the, that might be a 10% outcome of possibility, but if it happens, the Royals hit a home run with this pick. The question is what happened? Joel, what welcome better, on, they, welcome on Royals do. Weekly. Alex is ranting, <laughs> uh, but we'll have you uh, chime in here in a second. Alex, you want to finish that thought real quick? Yeah, what they better do is build a damn small stadium downtown Kansas City. You better, <laughs> you better start building something that these left-handed hitters can get the ball over because if you draft another MJ Melendez, it's not going to matter in Kauffman Stadium. You better build the next Yankee Stadium so that we look back and go, oh, they drafted the next Brian McCann and his run of hitting 20 home runs in one, almost two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve seasons in a row. Like that better be what that you're would getting. be fantastic. Be fantastic, but I don't think he's the defender, which was a big part of Brian McCann's game. I don't think he's going to hit. I just I don't understand. I don't understand the process. Like everything that we know about evaluating the draft on a model, and you take a prep catcher now. I've said before, I'll say it one more time before Joel gets in here. If they move him to right field immediately, I'll back off. And like, okay, so you drafted an outfielder that you really like the bat. Okay. He doesn't look like that. Marcus, you mentioned he does not look like a good runner. He is not a he, good athlete. He cannot, he cannot like, run. This pipeline has it as a 35-grade runner. That's about Jensen. Are they out on Carter Jensen? Do they just not think that pick's going to work anymore? It's been two years. And there's still some really good numbers on Carter Jensen. Like, it's not like he looks like a huge failure. He's doing some things really well. Um, Joel, we got to get your thoughts in here. What do you think about this pick, Blake Blake Mitchell at eight? Uh, So far, it's a little despondent in here. I'm whelmed, I think. (laughs) That's great. Like, I'm not. A little louder for the rest of of our crew here. Sorry. I need to have my mic up here. I don't want to get down there. Um, Yeah, I'm whelmed, I think. Like,. I'm not upset. It could have been a hell of a lot worse, I guess. Like they could have taken Noble Meyer. And that's not a knock on the kid, just prep varieties that concerned the crap out of me. But there were so many other guys that were available. Not even Kyle Teal, like Arjun Namala, Chase Dolander, if they wanted to go the pitcher route. There there were other guys. Like the board fell pretty nicely, given that the the A's went under slot like we all knew they would. It was just a matter of who was going to be there. Felt like the Royals would probably take an under slot guy. But prep catchers, it's the same thing with prep righties. Like, it's a mixed bag, and the hit rate's really low. So you better hope that you're able to outdevelop your scouting here, and the jury's kind of out on that right now. So I guess we'll see. The I, I try not to get too over-the-top upset about MLB picks because it's not like they're going to come in and impact the big leagues right away. For the most part, like it, we're still years away from seeing some of this develop for pretty much every team, so it, it ends up being a crapshoot. So, I guess we'll see. Uh, I've been wrong before. I remember sitting on a, a you know, Zoom thing with Alex uh, when the Royals picked Frank Mazzucato when we were despondent and confused, and <laughs> you know, he's turned out to be a decent ball player at this point. So, who knows? Yeah, and keep keep that uh, that open mindedness because it will require a lot of like, what are we going to see from him when he gets 
into professional baseball. I am yeah. I the mean, thing I'm paying attention to is what does he look like behind the plate? That is going to be the thing that I think really uh, gets his value to where you say, okay, that was a decent pick at eight or sinks his value completely. Because I don't know that anybody I've read has said, oh, the bat is good enough to play at a corner outfield. The bat is good enough to play at third or anything like that. He's a pretty big kid, but he's not like, you know, he's not enormous. He's not Aaron Judge. You know, he's not Giancarlo Stanton in terms of power profile. And so you're looking at a kid like, okay, he can he can maybe a future 60 grade uh, in the power department, but is that is he going to hit enough to play first base if he has to move there? I don't know. Is well, he going to hit enough to play right field? I don't know. Right. Yeah, so here's here's kind of let's do a little thought experiment here. We took Blake Mitchell. If Blake Mitchell doesn't play catcher in professional baseball and he's a right fielder or first baseman or whatever, what if they'd have taken Chase Davis? Would you have been more happy with Chase Davis? He he can only hope to be Chase Davis in 3 years, you know? Like that that's my thing. If he if he if they don't think he's a catcher, then this pick makes next to no sense to me. Yeah. You know? I, because I don't know. he's not better than Chase Davis. He's not better than um, Colton Ledbetter. He's not, you know, like th- that's the thing that gets me with it, you know, is like he almost has to stay at catcher to provide enough value uh, moving forward. The Angels just drafted another big leaguer next year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're going to bring him right up. Who is, I, I, mean, I knew was. somebody. I knew somebody who I knew somebody would do this. They would take Nolan Chanul. That was who was just taken by the Los Angeles Angels. First baseman out of Florida Atlantic. Oh, see, I uh, like him. I know you liked him. I knew somebody would be like, let's get Chanul. We'll save a bunch of money. And he's a dude who we can almost, who's as certain as anybody to hit in the major leagues. Right. He's another so guy. Like I'll take Chanul. Compare him better. Compare him. So like, right. Nolan Chanul, he's a fringy first baseman, possible attempt to move to right field, but no guarantees there. He can run a little, um, you know, he, a lot of people think he has good raw power though. His power numbers have been good. Not great in college. Struggled on the Cape, gets taken there. Again, Blake Mitchell, if he doesn't play catcher, can only hope to be where Nolan Chanul is in a, in like three years. So that's, you know, that's interesting, interesting choice, Rails. Interesting choices. Now, you did mention that, um, what's his name? I'm already forgetting our dude's name. Okay, Blake Mitchell. <laughs> you did mention that Blake Mitchell <laughs> is an LSU lot, right? commit. I'm sorry. There's so many names in this brain right now. Like, uh, I'm going to start making them up with my former students soon. Um, Blake Mitchell, LSU commit. They are a school that knows how to identify talent. And, you know, and so if that makes you feel any better, maybe that makes some, some of us feel a little bit better. Uh, I want us to do grades. I know, I know that, uh, it's hard to do without getting to see who that, how much money is being spent yeah. without getting to see who those next two picks are. But we'll call it a ghost grade. If you guys know what that is, uh, what is your ghost grade for this first pick? We'll start with Joel on the, on the outside there. C minus. And I'm probably being generous, but then again, like I said, the MLB draft is such a crap shoot. Who knows? He may come out and just, we may all look like morons in a year. I don't know. I feel like mm-hmm. I could like they could have drafted Kyle Teal or Arjun Namala or Noble Meyer. I'd still probably give it a C because who knows? Wow, you're a harsh grader, Mike. <laughs> I'm going harsher, man. I'm going to go with a D, just because I don't think he stays at catcher, and his his path to big league success is so threading a needle. If he doesn't play catcher and doesn't play catcher well, then. So, I mean, I think it, he's got a lot to do 
to show he can be a really good offensive player at Major League Baseball level when you could have gone with other guys who have shown a lot more. Now, here's the thing nobody's saying. Nobody's saying the name MJ Melendez right now. And it's one of those names that you would think might get brought up in this conversation a little bit because he was a prep catcher that the Royals took. They took him in the second round, not in the first. But when he was taken, I remember the conversation being, boy, it's tough out there for prep catchers, you know? And he was glove and, first. And people were like, he's over a glove bat. first guy. I heard people just staunchly say, this guy could catch in Major League Baseball right now. And they were absolutely wrong, right? And so it's one of those things. Now we see him move to the outfield. He is much more athletic than Blake Mitchell, right? He is not a third. I wouldn't call uh, Melendez a 35 runner. In my mind, he's probably a 50 runner, maybe a little bit better. But um, the question is like, and we see what offense Melendez will need to produce to be a successful major leaguer in right field. Just my thoughts. Alex, what grade do you want to put on this pick right now? Ghost grade. I'm going to give it a B minus, um, but it, it has to, I have to wait. I have to, it, I'm, I'm giving them some grace as it relates such a great to their next two picks. As it relates to their next two picks, let's just see what happens. If, dude, if we find out in the next hour before pick 40, because they're doing 44 and 66 tonight, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're, we're we going to be here we gonna for come those. back and do this live. Oh yes. Oh yes. Okay. We're coming back to do it live for 44 and 66. Okay. So let's say in about an hour, we find out they're going to give him five and a half million dollars. I'm not coming back on show. It's okay. just, just chalk it up as an F. I don't want anything to do with it. I'm, I'm done. Um, if we find out that they're only going to give him three and a half, four million dollars, like, okay, let's, let's just see what happens because if the draw is somehow they get Thomas white or Ty P I like Thomas white. Okay, I'll back off. I'll, I'll, I'll bow to the crown a little bit. Same um, here. I'll, 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 really, then, I'll change my grade Alex. if that if they get those two players, right? And then if they go get Alex Mooney at sixty six, draft eligible sophomore. Okay, but knowing the Royals, what they'll probably do is take like Jack Hurley, who they could have gotten along with Kyle Teal or anybody else. I do think it's interesting, by the way. Kyle Teal has not been drafted yet, so I mean. Let's see what happens. I, I maybe maybe Teal's not very good. I who knows? I, I just I'm trying to sell myself yeah. on like something here. I and think of I course think the Diamondbacks go with Tommy Troy. I am going. I just want to be an Arizona fan. I want Derek Gladney back so bad. Um, and I, here's my thing on on uh, Teal. Like I think what ended up happening is teams started asking some of the questions that I've been asking, which is like. Yeah, he might be able to defend at a major league level when he gets there. Will he ever be able to hit at a major league level? I think there are questions about that. And then, you know, and and his demands for full slot money. I mean, it was public that he wanted full slot and a lot of teams want to play money games, it looks like, in this first round. And so, Joel, who, who are you looking at? This? I want to hear what Joel, Joel, who are you looking for at eight? Who was your your guy that you wanted? You know, I, Kyle Teal was kind of the the consensus thing, and I was like, okay, that's fine. Arjun Namala was a dude that I really like because I think there's a ton to dream on. He was not even 18 years old yet. He had a little bit of a runway, a pretty good athlete, some power for a wiry frame. Like I think there was there was a lot to like in a pretty raw prospect, but with him not even being 18 years old yet, I was like, okay, I think I think that could be that could be good. Okay. Now it was basically anybody but Noble Meyer. 
didn't and then they him. took Blake Mitchell, who, uh, yeah, no, I didn't want Noble Myers, Noble Myers, nothing against the kid. It's just prep, right? He's like, it's just a ticking time bomb. I just, I can't do it. Yeah. If the Royals were the Rays with pitching development, okay, sure. Take Noble Meyer in a heartbeat and I'm not worried about it, but they just haven't proved enough yet for me to believe that they can take a kid like that and he's going to succeed. I just don't know. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a comment from our live chat and that I hope is going to make Alex feel better. It says, Alex, you are normally the smartest person on Royals Twitter. Barely over Preston. <laughs> Sorry, Preston, <laughs> if you're paying attention to this at all. Uh, uh, over me and oh, I'm not going to read that. That's, that that's so really, I don't know. Oh, hey, the Cubs are taking Matt Shaw. <laughs> ah, he's going to play great line. in Wrigley. That guy is going to kill Wrigley Field. Here's, oh, here's, here's be... the last line of this one. <clears throat> Definitely the smartest one in this call. <laughs> uh, but then he says, but a B is stupid. <laughs> or B minus, I think is what he meant. B minus, yes. But a B minus is stupid. That's from Lucas Dame. I don't know who that is. Um, thank you so much, Lucas, for watching. Um, <laughs> any final thoughts here on uh, on the first uh, pick, eighth overall? Uh, we'll come back for 44th uh, and, and talk a little bit about it. Uh, any thoughts before we ch- chime out? I do. Four. I want to. I want to. Yeah. Be really clear that, like I said, I had Mitchell 16th on my board for a reason. He has a chance to be like a Kyle Schwarber, and that's kind of what we said about Carter Jensen too. Like it's in there. It's there. There is a an, an outcome where Blake Mitchell is really good, and and I don't want to take that away from him or the Royals. Like it's it's in the realm of possibility. It's not like they drafted Jacob Wilson where there's no shot at upside, right? There's no shot. Jacob Wilson is ever an all-star. I mean, he's like Nick Madrigal, Nicky Lopez, and you pray he's an everyday version of that. There's a shot that Blake Mitchell has that in him. It's just when you, when you are evaluating the draft, there, the numbers don't lie. Prep right-handed pitchers, prep catchers don't work. Hardly ever. They don't ever work. And so it's like, if you're going to gamble on that demographic, you damn well better be able to back it up. And the Royals haven't earned that. They have not earned the right to gamble and and pray. They they don't have the, the depth for it. They don't have the farm system. They sure as hell don't have the big league roster to absorb what could happen if Blake Mitchell doesn't work out. And we've, I mean, Blake Mitchell's not a good athlete. Dan Zelensky just tagged me on Twitter and said, you know, he could always move to the outfield. You can't just always move to the outfield. No. MJ Melendez just moved to the outfield. He's horrible. And I mean, he's, he's fine. He's whatever, but he's not a good outfielder. You sure I could go play out there, but you can't <laughs> just move anybody. Kyle Schwarber is awful. Kyle Schwarber is going to be one of major league's best hitters this year and worth like two wins. Cause he can't do anything right in the outfield. Like you're talking about, a first base DH prospect if he's not a catcher. And like Mike said, so much of this is hinged on him being a good catcher. Does he have a good pop time? Yeah. You should read. I'm not going to read it out loud. It'd make me vomit. But fan graphs, Eric Loggenhagen's write-up on Blake Mitchell defensively is putrid. It's awful. I know some people think he's pretty good, including Kylie McDaniel and Ben Badler at Baseball America. But one of the more negative guys I follow and Eric Longenhagen thinks he's awful. And I'm just, how can you take that pick? How is that your guy when you have maybe a bottom 10 farm system in baseball and the one of the five or six worst teams in the history of major league baseball, you cannot afford for this to miss. 
and again, I'm not saying it won't work. I'm just the odds are so stacked against you that it is irresponsible to try. It's 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 you need to roll snake eyes, right? You need you need you need something that long, right? That's you, that's the odds of, of what's going on here. Mike, you know what I'm gonna equate it to real quick because it just popped into my head. It's drafting a first round running back in the NFL, is what it is. Right. It's, it's not it that is. it's always a terrible Absolutely. decision. Yes, you can get Saquon Barkley sometimes, but sometimes you get Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Or sometimes you you know, it, it, it just doesn't always it's the risk is too high for the reward. The juice is not worth the squeeze. You know, it's it, especially for, like you said, for a team that is in disarray at all levels, you know, and, and mm-hmm. I think that's what makes it makes us feel so desperate about it is like, hey, we've won 26 games or whatever. <laughs> like we need a we need a single. We don't need a home run. Uh, you know, the small chance of getting a home run. We need a fucking base hit and bad. Can I can I read this tweet from Max Reaper real quick? I'm sure. sorry. I'll, I'm going to, he Max said Reaper, Royal Review. Yes. From 2010 to 2019, there were 14 high school catchers drafted in the first round. Only five made the big leagues. There were 14 college catchers drafted in the first round, ironically. Twelve reached the big leagues. You are more than double the likelihood of getting a big league asset, of hitting the single, the double, like Mike said, in a Kyle Teal or something like that in a safer profile than you are in the prep catcher. It's... That's I just wanted to I brought some of the math some of the data to the table. Thank you Max by the way for for bringing that for me. But I just wanted to give some context as to what I was saying. Thank you so much for that Alex Max Reaper Royals Review. Thank you so much to Joel Penfield for jumping in and joining us of one more away. Really appreciate crash. that. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm so glad you did. It was great to hear uh, your thoughts on that. We will be back with pick 44, uh, maybe a couple picks early and uh, give you some analysis on what the Royals choose to do there. A lot of this Blake Mitchell pitch is gonna, pick is going to depend on pick 44 and 66, and we'll know a lot more here in about an hour, hour and a half. Thank you so much for joining us so far. Meet us right back here Alex. for pick 44. <laughs> it's time to start drinking, everybody. Oh, I'm already ahead, way ahead of you on that one. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us again. This is for uh, round two, the Royals pick at 44. We have been patiently watching the draft, hoping and praying that Colin Houck would somehow miraculously fall to the Royals at 44. That didn't happen. Uh, But we are back to discuss the pick uh, 44 for the Royals overall with you all. Uh, We are joined by Joel Penfield of One Where Away, Alex Duvall of uh, Royals Farm Report, and then Michael Mead, also of Royals Weekly. I am your host, Marcus Mead. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Fellas. After taking a few deep breaths, after seeing that Blake Mitchell pick, after reading some more stuff, what are your thoughts on where the draft sits right now, now that you know who's left on the board and what the Royals might be able to get at 44? How does it make you feel about what they got at eight and about what's still available? Alex, we'll start with you. I think most of my favorite prep bets are gone. That doesn't mean all the good prep bets are gone. Just like the ones I was really hoping was part of the plan. And that's kind of, by the way, it's like, um, when you talk about the, the when we talk about the gap between pick eight and forty four, this was like the concern is the Mariners have three picks between your next pick, yeah. right? And um, Miami's going to pick again, and Milwaukee picked again, and the Dodgers are going to pick, and the, right? And the Mets had only one pick in there, so they had to make a home run. Um, it's it's you know if if the game, it, you know, we never know who their guy was, who they're looking for, but if he's gone 
and you're sitting here now like, oh, no. Like, that's obviously problematic. Uh, Thomas White, left-handed pitcher, still there. It's like the easiest 94-95 I've ever seen from a lefty. It's crazy how naturally and, fl- and, and effortlessly he can throw 95. Um, uh, the, the Johanny Morales still being their third baseman out of Miami. Um, oh, my God, there goes Thomas White. I don't even want to talk about this anymore, so – Oh. <laughs> um, I just I was a, everybody, a little surprised actually when you said that. I thought he'd been taken. So anyway, I don't know. I just I hope that the guy that they were geared in on is still there. I'm assuming he is, right? I got surely they wouldn't have. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I just will reserve judgment until I see who it is. Yeah, I uh, com- I completely agree. That's the guys. Well, I even said it earlier on. I was like, man, I really like the depth of the bats from the high school side. Now I'm looking at it. I went and looked right before we got on here and I'm going, I'm now counting guys. I'm going, yikes. It's we're down to two or three guys at the high school level that I still like. And, you know, and even the, on the pitching side, you know, I was I'm big on Charlie Soto. He just went. Um, Thomas White is gone now. Ty Pete was taken. The guy, I know you were really big on him, Alex. Good pick from Seattle. I know Joel's happy about that. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's getting bleak. It's getting bleak. Uh, still still a couple guys, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what what it looks like their plan was when forty four comes. Joel, we'll see what happens. I at this point I have no damn idea. I just I don't. I I wish I did. I wish I had some sort of hard hitting cogent analysis to give you guys. I got nothing right now. <laughs> um, if you want the latest pick uh, at thirty six, the Dodgers are taking Kendall George, an outfielder. Um, I frankly, yeah. Let, let me let me look at best available and just see who's still there. I mean, I mean Cameron Johnson's Jake, still there. Yeah, I saw Jake Geloff is still available that one's kind of odd i thought he would still be there that's just a name i know i can we talk I'll about the um can we talk about the yahoo report that blake mitchell might get over slot uh, uh i did not, see, I did see, not that. see that yeah somebody raised my blood it. pressure i'm going to the doctor tomorrow so somebody somebody tagged me in it on um oh hang on on twitter said something like to the effect of like um that Yahoo put out and said that Blake Mitchell might even get over slot, which would just be an unmitigated disaster because if they go Blake Mitchell over slot, just to take like Colton Ledbetter and Jack Hurley. I mean, that's something that's about like bass backwards, like a, a process there. <laughs> yeah. Just, that makes ugh. sense. I just, ugh. yeah, that would blow my mind. I, it would be one of those things that, well, the weird thing is we talk about this, like, like these are our own, just our own opinions, but in some ways we're reflecting the consensus of the world outside of us as well, right? Like everyone yeah. else would think giving him over slot is an insane idea, right? Like everyone else would think that that's nuts. The Frank Mazzucato pick in the moment, some people were like, well, that's a little crazy because he's way far back. He's a, he's a huge under slot. But in the wake of that, they were like, well, I mean, it makes sense if you think Frank Mazzucato is good enough. It makes sense if there's some value there to be had. Paying Blake Mitchell over slot 
if Blake Mitchell could have gotten over slot, he would have gone ahead of the Royals. <laughs> yeah. That's just, that's just, it's, it, that makes absolutely no, that better not be the case or I'm going to be I, super pissed. Surely not. Uh, it's Yahoo. I'm not going right, to give that right. too much credence. It's not Jeff Passon when he was at Yahoo giving that sort of information. Right. But even no, if they give him slot, I'm going to shit a brick and I'm going to be pissed, right? <laughs> like, uh, because it makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense to make that pick if it's a slot, if it's full slot value, just none whatsoever. Um, some of the guys I still like, I think I like Joe Whitman. I don't know that they would need to overpay to get him, but I like him as a pitcher, uh, as an option. I like Cameron Johnson. I think there's a lot of potential tied up in there. And then there are some college bats who I wouldn't be terrible. I wouldn't be like terribly upset if they took, uh, I meant, I mentioned one Gino Groover. He's more of a 66 pick than a 44, I think. Um, but there's some guys out there with some athleticism still who I think that they could take, uh, college bat wise, but Oh, there's that dude that you like, uh, Alex, that uh, Kemp Alderman, mm -hmm. who is probably more of a 66 pick too, but um, he's still on the board as well. And so uh, for some reason, Joel says he wants to be admitted again. Schoenwetter is uh, still there, that high school pitcher that I like as well. Cooper Pratt's uh, another interesting high school bat for me. Uh, big, tall. Uh, he plays shortstop now. I think he's probably a third baseman in the future, but um, – I mean, he's he's maybe maybe shortstop in a pinch kind of guy, um, but I think he he he's he's really big. He doesn't hit, he's got really good bat to ball skills right now with the opportunity to possibly put on some muscle and hit for power. So I think you know possibly if if you're looking for a guy that like, hey, we underslotted because we really like this guy, uh, maybe he's still one of them. Possible. Okay. All right. Um, so in terms of we're looking at this pick coming up here at 44. How has this draft played out in terms of what your expectations were? Is it pretty much where you thought it would be? Or have you seen a lot of wild moves from the things that have happened other than what the Royals did? <laughs> no, I, it's been really chalky. Like I know. nothing yep, so far has like, whoa, like what happened? It's been super chalk. And even the Blake Mitchell pick, I mean, there were, a, there was a ton of smoke around that happening. And I, if you consider the mocks to be chalk, then it's been it's been super chalky. If you consider it to be like, um, if you go off consensus boards, the Royals might have the biggest reach. Well, Nolan Chanul, um going to the, to the Angels, he wasn't top fifteen on anybody's board because yeah. he's a college first baseman. Um, but it's not a crazy pick for them taking Zach Neto, Ben Joyce, Sam Bachman, guys like that. So. Uh, makes makes some sense, but really the Royals might have the biggest quote unquote reach, and that's not even saying they reached a ton. It's just nobody else has really taken a big you know um, risk in, in anybody so far. Yeah, uh, yeah. Bryce, uh, Bryce Eldridge I think was a little shocking to me a little bit. Um, you know, a lot of upside, two way guy. They say two way guy, like legit two way guy. Um, I don't know if they'll allow him to do that in San Francisco, but um, I thought maybe I thought he might, he was a guy I was kind of hoping might fall down to 44 um, that I thought maybe you could get because he was a two way guy because nobody knew exactly. Maybe they didn't like him on either side or something like that. Um, didn't happen. Uh, so I thought maybe that one was a little higher than what I expected. And uh, Brock Wilkin was a little higher than what I expected too, but no, none of the nothing top twenty was shocking. Nothing, nothing today. Oh, Ralphie Velasquez is a little higher than what I thought. Uh, I actually thought he was still on the board. 
Um, but nothing crazy. Yeah. What I find interesting is that I think what you're going to see at 44 is a lot of guys available for the Royals who you think, yeah, they should go right around that, that range, right? They should go right around. You talk about the Jack Hurley's of the world. You talk about the Cole Carrigs of the world. You talk about the, you know, uh, Colton Ledbetters and stuff like that. That group should be roughly available at 44, which makes you ask, like, what are they going to do if we're still operating under the assumption that Blake Mitchell was a money-saving pick, was an underslot move? What are they going to do with that money, right? Are It looks like because they don't have a Thomas White or a Colin Houck or anything available where they're like, we have to give all of this extra money to one guy. It looks like they're going to spread it out. It looks like the 44th pick might get some, the 66th pick might get some, but they also might do a David Sandlin move like they did last year. And they're going to give it to somebody later on in the, in the one through 10, right? Uh, That looks like a possibility as well. Or I guess Sandlin was taking the 11th, but it looks like somebody in that one through 10th is going to get some of that money. And it's not necessarily going to be the 44th pick. If you don't know, the MLB draft works like this. You get a certain amount of money for the picks one through 10. And then after that, everybody gets a, a specific slotted amount. Is that, is that how, am I, am I explaining that correctly? For At, rounds one through 10. Yes, so, rounds one through 10. But everybody in rounds one through 10 has a slot value that you add mm-hmm. all your picks up in the first 10 rounds. That's the total amount of money that you can spend on those, no, on the in, the on entire one through ten, but yeah, then it could be twelve the, picks, right? Between <laughs> yeah, between eleven and twenty, they're capped. They're capped at like yes. four hundred and fifty thousand or something like that. Which is why yeah. the Royals took like a David Sandlin the eleventh round. Mm-hmm. Is that right, or can you use your slot, your bonus money on? You can't, I don't you think you can. If you had it left, you could use it afterwards, and that's oh, why they have it left. gave it to Sandlin. And it's not okay. not tied to anything afterwards. You can give okay. all yeah. of it to one that's guy or right. none of it. Okay. That's how the, I think that's how they did it last year with Sandlin. Mm, okay, I don't. I, I feel like after the tenth round, there is a rule about where's the capping those. I thought it was. I thought that was the case too, actually. But that may not be the rule if you have money left over from that one through ten. The Royals, regardless, the Royals are gonna have like it doesn't look right now like anyone exists at forty four or sixty six who they would have to overpay to a large extent to get, right? Yeah. Even if they take someone like Joe Whitman. Who, who are you thinking, Mike? If they really like Cameron Johnson, that's the one the kind of guy exception. that may take a little bit of money to get away. Right. That's the um, one exception. Because I think he's committed he's, to LSU, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. or Vanderbilt, one of the two. Um, or no, yeah. And so, Cameron yeah, Johnson's I, committed to LSU. LSU, okay. And so that's it, it's not always easy to get those guys away. Um, you know, he's got legit stuff. And so from the left side and yeah, big giant, hard throwing guy. Um, Yeah. Six, five. He's up to 96 consistently 95, 96. And so, yeah. So yeah. And by the way, in the 11th round and later, you can give as much money as you want out of your bonus pool money. You get $400,000 for free. Anything over that has to come from your from your draft okay. pool, your bonus pool, the okay. Astros gave somebody one point three million dollars last year in their eleventh round. So there's that. So I think the I think the Royals gave Sandlin a little bit more too that they had it was left. Four hundred thousand exactly. Oh, they did. Mm-hmm. Okay, so never mind. Forget that. Uh, but somewhere they're going to spend all of that bonus pool money, and it's going to go 
more than likely somewhere in that first 10 rounds. But I think we, we're to the point where we can almost say, unless they take Cameron Johnson, that it will not be all, it will not all be given to pick 44, right? It will not all, it probably won't all be just split up between 44 and 66 because a lot of the guys in the range right now, you can see them going in this range. They're 44 to 66 kind of players. And so they're not going to be making demands like, oh, pay me top 15 money. Nobody, nobody left on the board is asking for top 15 money with the possible exception. And I would say probably top 20 money of Cameron uh, Johnson. And we'll see what he, what he's looking for. Well, and this is where your draft eligible sophomores enter the fold is like, Mm -hmm. you know, college dude. Yes, but could very easily go back and get the same amount of money or more next year. So this is where I think Alex Mooney really, and there's um, Cam Clayton comes into play. Both of them shortstops, Alex Mooney from Duke, Cam Clayton from Washington. You can get one of those guys who you think next year could be the – who's a position player, college position player taken – could be Enrique Bradfield of the draft, right? The 17th overall pick, but you can't get him and you, you don't want to pick that player at number three overall, but you can't draft him down to your next pick. Um, so you take him this year. And, and Marcus, you wrote up – it was – brilliant back when they drafted Brady McConnell just hit the nail on the head of the of the process and that's really good process I actually really like the way that the Royals invest into draft eligible sophomores I think there's there's a something to that it hasn't necessarily been their greatest skill just yet but Caden Wallace looks really good Peyton Wilson looks like a big leaguer um and, and you know Evan Steele even when they drafted him in 2017 Incredible talent. Daniel Tillo almost made the big leagues. You just injuries got in the way. Brady McConnell is really the only one where we can look at and go, ah, that was like the clear reason not to do it. But you're, you know, two pitchers injured. Don't draft pitchers. Three <laughs> position players. You're at 67% clip. That's pretty good. So if they go with Alex Mooney here, I'll go, you know what? That's not what I wanted. I wouldn't have gone out of my way to really alter my eighth overall pick to get Alex Mooney. Um, and, and, but if it's, you know, if it is that strategy, I can at least understand what they're doing, even if I don't wholeheartedly agree with it at this particular moment. You know, you know what's uh, still oh, on ahead, the board Mike. and then tell me what you guys think about this. Brandon Winokur and correct me if I'm wrong, is still on the board. Is he not? Oh yeah. Yeah. He, okay, so, be, it's just a matter of he, his deal is a matter of like, where do individual teams value him? What's he willing to sign for? Remember Dylan Cruz a while back was in the same kind of spot as a Brandon Winokur, like a fringe somewhere between the first and the third round. And it's like, man, we just, we don't really want to overpay for Dylan Cruz. You know, we could just kind of take mm-hmm. somebody else, maybe a little bit safer, a little more data, a little more whatever. And then Dylan Cruz goes nuclear when he gets to LSU. Brandon Winokur, I'm not saying he's Dylan Cruz. I'm just saying, he would be that kind of pick where it's like nobody really thinks he's a first-round talent yet. But there's some clear potential that if you're willing to overpay a little bit now, you might get a bargain on the back end if somebody would have done paid Dylan Cruz a long time ago, three years ago. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm really on board with your uh, draft-eligible sophomore idea. I think that's something that we've seen the Royals be very interested in doing. And I think the fact that Caden Wallace is looking like a legitimate prospect is only encouraging them to continue to think in those terms. He's having a a really solid season in quad cities, something like 125 weighted runs created plus playing what looks like a very good defense at third base. 
if you can get those kinds of guys, the athletes, the guys who look like, oh, one more good year from them and they're going in the top 20, you get those guys at 44 and 66 and you're feeling pretty good about things. I wanted to bring up the uh, Oakland A's who just picked Miles Naylor, a uh, high schooler out of, uh, was that Canada? St. <laughs> Joe yeah. Park High School in Canada? Is all right. Is, he, all right, is eh? he another one of the Naylor brothers? Is he Is he another one? Oh, no way. He looks like he no, is. No, not like a Bo Naylor. Not those guys. They're from right? Canada too, aren't they? They're from they Canada from... too, I think. Yeah, there and they are. This... They're Bo- Miles, Bo, and Josh. And this dude, oh, okay. just like he does look just like him. Yeah, <laughs> he say. looks like him. De- definitely looks like Bo. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't know they had a younger brother. Uh, yeah, they just mentioned it on the broadcast the other day. Actually, I think uh, I thought they were talking about, about Bo. I think they were like, and they got another one coming in the draft this year. And uh, I think I remember them saying that. And this one's uh, a the third the baseman. Yeah, so they play all over the diamond. Uh, uh, but <laughs> interesting, Oakland was one of the only teams when I when I went back and looked over the. They're one of the only teams that did a probably what's going to be a big underslot move as well in the first round. And so when you were thinking like, well, what teams can really afford to pay guys like Cameron Johnson and things like that, if they want big money, it was Oakland was like the big one. Uh, everybody else who's remaining between now and the Royals really doesn't have the money or isn't going to have the money left in their bonus pool to significantly overslot. Um, and so if anybody's getting overslotted at this point or, overslotted here at these in these picks in the 40s it's probably the royals who are going to have an opportunity to do that we'll see where they end up deciding to go right now we're on a commercial break pittsburgh may have a little money here I, i'm curious like if, if you're gonna because well, they the reason they drafted skeins is because they right. remember they floated out a number let's call it eight and a half million save themselves a million and some change that's a lot of money now you could divvy that up over eight prospects and just a little bit at a time, or you could dump it all on Cameron Johnson. Right here. Cameron Johnson right <laughs> here. Right. I'm really interested if, if they can't get Cameron Johnson, I'm really interested in Joe Whitman. And I know uh, to me, you know, it would not surprise me if Thomas White becomes Joe Whitman in three years, you know, uh, mm-hmm. because they got the sliders because, you know, he's a big, tall lefty. I know Kent state isn't the highest level of competition that exists in the world, but He's a guy who I'd be intrigued with as a pick here. Uh, you won't have to pay him that much more than slot, maybe a little bit more. Um, but if you're interested in getting a, a pitching prospect, um, I'd like to hear more about Winokur. I haven't paid too much attention to him. Uh, is there's and and you mentioned someone else, a draft eligible sophomore, Alex, not Mooney, but the other one. I'd like to hear more about those two. So Cam Clayton, uh, shortstop out of Washington, is a little more. Brady McConnell than Alex Mooney is Enrique Bradfield, right? So you're talking about ceiling versus floor. You're talking about like upside versus polish. Alex Mooney, I think, has a ton of upside, but is also a little bit safer. Cam Clayton, a few more strikeouts, a few less walks, um, but also maybe some more power and I probably a third baseman. So I'm not sold on him at shortstop where Alex Mooney, I'm, I'm, all in on him being a little bit of a lighter hitting shortstop than Cam Clayton would be. Um, with Brandon Winokur, he reminds me the the Royals were interested in a guy named Elijah Cable a few years ago, and Elijah Cable liked Tower Power. I mean, Suli Matias just ridiculous home runs. Uh, went to Florida State and struck out like forty percent of the time. Winokur, you know, it's impossible to peg. We. 
it's impossible to know with some of these high school kids because of the exposure they have, what kind of approach they're going to have, what their bat to ball skills are really going to be like. People freaked out about Bobby Witt Jr.'s bat to ball skills. They're, they're so overblown. An above average big league strikeout rate as a rookie. Like, it was just so, I don't even know where they came from. And I, I by the way, was on board with that from the get go, trying to tell people this is not as big of an issue as people are making it. Um, and with Winokur, it's just it's hard to know. Like I, I, I'm not saying he won't have those issues. I just don't know. If you get him, like Elijah Cable, it's light tower power. I mean, it is impressive. Damn near hit a ball off the video board at the K, like batting practice power. I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's just you're you're going to put him in right field, and he's got a hit. Is he going to be Suli Matias? Or can he weasel his way into like an MJ Melendez where, yeah, you could see the strikeouts coming. Maybe Nick Prado is a little bit of a better example, but the power was there. You could tell he was going to hit some home runs. You could tell he was going to walk and take his bases. Just never hit for a high average. I think Winokur kind of toes that line of like, okay, like there's your ceiling. Like there's your upside that you're looking for. And, you know, I it reminds me a little bit ironically of Blake Mitchell, you're just not going to be paying him $5 million, the eighth overall pick to get it. Right. And that's the difference. That's, that's the difference in picking eighth and picking 44th or like 16th is what is available to you and getting some safety, like a safety net in with your pick. There is no safety net if they go Winokur, but hold on to your hats because it could be a lot of fun to watch them develop. Sorry. That was a long Bit. No, I love that. I I want to talk a little bit about uh, your boy, uh, Kemp Alderman, because I just thought up an amazing comp for him in my mind. You guys remember Ivan Melendez, right? Uh, Last year? The Hispanic Titanic. Uh, the Hispanic Titanic is what they called him. He is currently hitting 270, 352, 593 as a slugging in high A, which is a 945 OPS. You're talking about a guy who... In his first full season out of – now compare that to Gavin Cross, who right now has probably got an OPS maybe south of 700. Um, and, you know, you think about a guy who – it is worth it at something like 44-66 to take a guy who's a pure hitter. He's not going to have really any defensive value. I don't know that Kemp Alderman is going to be anything defensively. First base profile, I think. Uh, does he play the outfield too? Yeah, um, no, I think he can play right field. I think he's, he's, he's a right can play right yeah. field in the coffee. Yeah. Yeah, no, okay. I don't. I don't think he's bad. Okay, he's, I mean, right. he's, a, yeah. he's, a, he's not very fast, but he's Here a good go. outfielder. Like yeah. everything. When Maybe I, not. The reason I included him in my top twenty-five is he is a outfielder. He just may not be the fastest dude alive. Like, yeah, he's not. And he's you not, watch him run on the bases. He's certainly not the slowest guy alive either. But he lo- he looks like he should be really slow. He's got a tank. Yeah, of he a lower does half. look like he. Sh- yeah. And so you're like. But he doesn't look like Ivan Melendez slow. Like he's not no. like that. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And. You know, I, I think about him and I think to myself, like, this is a time when taking a pure hitter isn't a bad idea, especially if they do something like they decide to give a lot of that money to a Cameron Johnson at, at 44, then 66, you can, you know, you could take an, uh, a Kemp Alderman and get a lot of value there as from somebody who you can maybe have confidence is going to hit the ball plenty hard. I like the fact that he can go the other way with the ball quite frequently. He is a an all fields hitter with power. I think that's really valuable. And I'm down to take somebody who's more of a pure hitter with 44 or 66. Joel, I wanted to ask, do you have like the profile of a type of player 
you think would be valuable to the Royals at 44 or 66? I, I like the idea of a Kemp Alderman or like just a, a dude that's going to mash because they, they need more hitters in this organization right now. I know they need pit, they need a lot, but I just want someone that like there is a solid floor of what they can be in the big leagues. Like there's just not a ton of that right now. There's a lot of ceiling, but just someone that you know from the get-go, they're just going to be a solid, consistent dude that's just going to find a way his, his way to the big leagues with his bat and not need a whole bunch of other caveats to get there. I think that's that's the biggest thing. I think Alderman is a great example of that, of a guy that you know is going to mash his way to the big leagues if he can cut down, if he can keep strikeouts down. You know that he's going to hit the ball hard enough to where a lot of those hits are going to fall, a lot of those hits are going to go over the fence, and he can just they can just find the bat to the big leagues and figure out the position from there. Joel, you know who he reminds me of a little bit? Who? Profile profile wise. Christian who? Encarnacion Strand. I like it. That that makes a ton of sense. Like He's a, killing a bigger it now, th- too. A bigger, thicker dude that just mm-hmm. hits the living shit out of the ball. Yeah. That makes a little a bit of, of an approach issue, some strikeouts, but a little bit, it's, yeah. It hits the ball so hard that it may not matter. <laughs> and hit all types yeah. of pitches too. Like it's not mm-hmm. a grooved swing to to get to all of that power. Is is Yohandi Morales off the board? Did he just get drafted by he Washington? Just, he just went by went to the Nats at pick uh, He's a dude early this spring I really thought like might be in play at number eight. So if he's gone, then never mind. But there's there's a bit of bat there that he's gone, doesn't matter. Um yeah. so Ryan Lasco at forty one, good. So we're oh Ryan Lasco. Um dude, I was watching who's I wa- I think I was watching Maryland because I think I was watching Matt Shaw play and Ryan Lasco. Oh, there it is. That's the home run. Did you guys see on TV? <laughs> That's the home run I was talking about. He's, he was in Maryland. He hit a ball like 400 feet to left field, and I just made like a mental note like to go back and look at him, and I never did, and now he's drafted. And I'm like, ah, should have looked into this because he's a guy Royals that I pick. – Royals pick's coming up here. They're pick 42. I got no draft tracker up because my I'll TV feed I'll throw out a guy that I might like behind. to see at uh, 66. You know, it's tough because – I would love Kemp Alderman at 44 or 66. I think that I think that's a great way to go. Hunter Owen, the lefty out of uh Vanderbilt. I'm a big fan of his. Uh you know, but if you do that, if you take a college masher and a college arm, then the question is you underslotted, why did you do that? You know, like are you going to spread it around to your third, fourth, fifth, 12, you know, 11th, 10th pick? Is that as valuable? I don't know. Um, but you know, I would certainly wouldn't be disappointed if, you know, you see Hunter Owen at 66 or, uh, you know, I think he's kind of like, a a Joe Whitman, uh, maybe just a little bit, uh, less sure on the injury history front. I, I comped him to like a Jake eater in terms of value because Vanderbilt does something with their pitchers that. I don't think is necessarily the best thing for them as pros. And I think what Virginia is a good example with Daniel Lynch. Daniel Lynch was throwing like 90, 92. He gets drafted. He goes straight to Lex or maybe it was like Idaho falls at the time, but he gets to Lexington. It was, it was Lexington. Lexington. Yeah. He's like 96, 97. Like what the, where did you come from? Like some of these college programs have ways that doesn't works for them, but does not maximize their potential. I was all over Jake Eater in 2020. 
and they, uh, the Marlins drafted him right in front of Christian Chamberlain. I went, ah, oh, there goes Jake Eater in the fourth round. Hunter Owen could be that, where we where he gets drafted a little bit later, and we all look back and go, damn, we should have picked him up. Of course there was an adjustment to be made. Now, can the Royals identify and fix it? I don't know. But Hunter Owen would be a great pick, Mike. I, 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 I would yeah, I really like him. Money to, I want to give money to Cam Johnson, Cameron Johnson, just because, and just as I'm looking at the scouting report on Pipeline, it says it's 95-96 with a high-spin fastball, and I just want to see the Royals take someone without the most generic fastball shape of all time. And maybe that helps. Maybe that's maybe that becomes the the development side on the pitching end of like actually drafting dudes with good fastball shapes. I don't know. Maybe it, it's it would a be nice to not have to say, well, he needs to work on something with his fastball just one time. Like, yeah, you know, to have a guy. I mean, shit. Cleveland's got fifteen guys that can just throw fastballs. Gavin Williams, we just throw fastballs. We just got to throw fastballs. Okay, we can't hit them anyway. So. <laughs> So um, the Pirates took Michigan State shortstop Mitch Jeb at 42, so we're two picks away here. Mitch right. Jeb, who, who's the funniest looking swing ever? <laughs> no is way. it Austin Just, Charles Hunter Austin Pence Charles weird? comp? Austin Charles weird? Don't even it start, Joel. Weird. Don't even Don't start, start because I, I had another – I had I another laugh about it. that yesterday and about died again. Okay. Don't even start with the Hunter Pence. <laughs> I did. We got a question in the live chat that, uh, from a guy named Bud Tenge that says, uh, have they already agreed to the money with the player before the pick is announced? Is it in concrete? And I got another question about this on, uh, on Twitter where somebody was like, is there any chance that Blake or that Mitchell won't sign that it'll, you know, and I was like, uh, it's virtually zero for, for, for a player like Mitchell. They have, they know that they'll, they know what his number is and they know that they can pay it and will pay it. That's why they took him. They wouldn't take him if they could, they, they thought they might not sign him. And so for a guy like Mitchell, the money is pretty much set, locked in. They know what they're giving him. They know how much they have to spend with these next two picks. The question is who's available that they actually might need to spend that money on them. And so they must have known that this was a contingency that they may not, that they may need to spread that money out through the second through the 10th round, or they wouldn't have taken this route. If, if that makes yeah. any sense. Hey, by the way, guys, the Royals are now on the clock. The yep. 43rd pick is in the Reds took Sammy Stafaura. Stafaura. Yeah. Stafaura. Shortstop prep shortstop. Uh, I okay, will Alex, see if- who are you taking with the pick, Alex? Who's left? Who are you taking? I would, I would take Kemp Alderman. And I, Part of it is I think you can get like a Winnaker down to 66. I think there's all kinds of guys in this range that you have the money for to move to 66. Alex Mooney, Cam Clayton, Hunter Owen, we've talked about all of them. You can move them to 66. Like now now you're in the signability game. Like these these picks will not be the best players available per se. Like that's what number eight was supposed to be for. Um these picks will be all about who can we sign um, in, in terms of like upside, right? And so like like a Peyton Wilson, like a Caden Wallace, a draft-eligible sophomore who's more expensive, you're going to overpay for them now, praying that they become better than what you paid for, right? That they'll value themselves out of their the price range you gave them now. And that's another thing that who that guy is going to be in terms of profile. He has to be an athlete, right? Because the one thing that won't happen is he won't go back to school and get faster. He won't get back to school. Well, he might get stronger, but he won't get any faster. The athleticism has got to be there for those guys. And that's why you see a guy like Caden Wallace. It worked out for him because he's a 
big, strong guy, and he's going to be a big, strong guy, and he's a certain kind of athlete. He's pretty agile. That's going to be the case. What you don't want to do is take a guy who's a draft-eligible sophomore and then hope that he somehow gets more athletic in a year because that's not going to happen. Really. And so what are they going to work on? They're going to get better at approach. They may gain some bat speed if, they, if they're training the right way. They may, But you really have to watch like what's the profile look like in taking a draft-eligible sophomore because it's not a guarantee that that guy goes back and gets any better. Uh. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about the fact really quick, by the way, that they have a college coach on the MLB draft I have table because every one of his players is so good they get drafted? <laughs> yeah, I saw that. The pick is in at 44 for the Kansas City Royals. They uh, selected Blake Walters, right-handed pitcher. Oh, I was, out I was of just Illinois, reading about him. High school prep guy, six foot four, 215 pounds, committed to Arizona. What are we thinking about Blake Walters? Anybody have any thoughts on him? So, so I didn't, I didn't know anything about him. Um, Nothing MLB not on my radar whatsoever. Yeah, MLB Pipeline has him just. I think is it just ahead of Cameron Johnson? Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. ahead of Cameron Johnson. Um, yeah, a little bit surprised. Big, tall kid, a prototypical body for uh, a starter. And I just lost. There it is. Um, it's it's weird. It says after working in the low nineties on the showcase circuit, he now operates ninety four to ninety six. Good carry at the letters. Um, you know, slot good slider, uh, plus slider throws a change up. It's not very good. Um, yeah, he's, yeah, they he's must... on my board because of Eric Longenhagen. So let me read to you what Fangraphs Eric Longenhagen wrote. Um, this spring has been in the upper 90s, huge life, top of the zone. Physicality's changed compared to last summer. He's stronger, throwing harder, in more control of his body. Um, talent for spin, low 80s slider, plus RPM. Uh, he's at the top of a group of fastball, breaking ball, high school pitchers because his arm strength is currently the best of the bunch. I didn't get to do a ton of work on prep pitchers in this draft class because I was hoping they wouldn't take any. Um, <laughs> I still for- think the process to this, by the way, you have just taken the two most dangerous demographics in the entire draft. So the way that they're spreading their money out, let's say they would have taken like Ty Pete. They would have gotten Ty Pete to this pick. That is a good use of your money because it is less likely to fail miserably than the prep right-handed pitcher is. Like just process, 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 right? The way that they're spreading their money out is okay with me. The who they're spending it on is like, guys, this is you're playing a really dangerous game. Now, Blake Walters, very good arm. I really like the talent. Eric Logan hanging. I was reading his top 50. A couple weeks ago, I saw the name, went and looked at some videos, saw nothing about the Royals being in on prep pitching, so I I didn't look into it. But from the very limited sample, is everything is really good. Everything I've read is really good about Blake Walters. Um, I just don't know why your strategy is to overpay prep right-handed pitchers to keep them from going to college. Like That is just a dangerous game by itself. So our our good buddy Josh Kaiser, one of my co-hosts over at One Royal Way, if you're listening to this podcast, you want more Royals content, subscribe over there as well. Do um, that. He posted the GIF. He said it's it, JJ and company in the war room, and it's the uh, the GIF from Major League Two where Serrano's like grabbing his nuts, walking, you know, walking <laughs> around. The, it's like this is a two like nuts on the table picks of just we are going to take a huge swing and it better effing and it needs to effing work 
And I mean, if it doesn't, it's going to blow up in their face and they're going to lose their jobs. Like, that's just the, the yeah. reality. That that's the thing. If it does work, then there is a then this is a massive swing for the development side. So you know, I again, it's it's such a dangerous game to play, but there's also the chance that it works out, and we're we're all sitting here two years from now going, can you believe that the Royals took a prep catcher and a prep righty and it worked? There there is there is that door. I know we all don't want to sit there right now because it's easier to be mad they took a prep catcher and a prep righty. But that door is available. Well, there is also mad at the talent of the players, you know, that part of doing this, whether you're drafting for Major League Baseball or the NFL or anywhere else is risk management, you know, and this is not that (laughs) this is not managing risk. Like you said, it's a kind of do you have the balls to do it kind of a thing? Yes, we like these players. We're going to put aside the fact that we're drafting positions that are notoriously volatile. And we're going to do it. And especially when you add into the fact that the Royals as an organization are in the place that they're in, you know, you're, you're, I mean, everything, everything is in flux with this team. There is nothing certain about this team right now. Not even where they're going to play is certain. And so like that, that is baffling to me. If there was any draft to be more conservative on, it was this one. It was the one that, I mean, if there was any draft where you say, we want to take players that have, you know, some, some traits that we can certainly bank on. It was this one and they have not done it so far. It tells me thing, that though. they are, they are pushing the window pretty far back if they're taking two prep kids. That too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they, they came out and announced that what well, the thing they thought that was the strength of this draft was in the prep players. They thought, oh, there are a lot of good high school players in this draft. And so it's not overly surprising to see them go with two prep guys. One of them is a hitter, obviously. Um, so at least they didn't go prep pitcher in the first round. Uh, but I will say this. There was a time when people were very critical of the fact that the Royals were too interested in taking high floor guys, guys who looked like they were going to be quad A players and that sort of thing. If they have moved on from that and they're like, let's take as many high ceiling guys as we can and some of them will hit. I'm okay with that. I'm looking at Walter's pitch right now and I'm seeing some things that, you know, look okay. He looks like a lot of prep guys, right? Long levers, good body. Yes, he looks like he's very projectable in terms of his body and I like that a lot. Um, but if he's, I mean, you mentioned it, Alex. He, if, is he up to the upper 90s this spring? Mm-hmm. 95, you want a guy 99. You want a guy throwing that hard, you know, is, is he capable of spinning well? Great. That low 80 slider in my mind should become a mid to high 80 slider if he can get it there. But, you know, these are the types of things that maybe they're trusting their pitching development a little bit. Maybe this sends a signal about where they think their pitching development is. But if you're asking me, do I want them to like, you're absolutely right, Mike and Alex, I think you made this point as well in terms of the risks that they're taking. And there goes Kemp Alderman to Miami. Damn it. Uh, in terms of the risks they're taking, they are taking a lot of risks. This is a high risk draft, ton of ceiling in there. Walters yeah. has a ton of ceiling. Mitchell has a ton of ceiling. It is a tight, tight needle. They got a thread and it's really going to be all about pit. It's all about player development now, right? Like if this player development team can put these guys in positions, can turn these guys into something valuable, the Royals might have something. If they can't boy, you're pushing that quite a ways. They're pushing that window even further because you might whiff on a draft completely. 
I will say that, so just from the, I honestly, this is the first time I'd ever watched anything on Blake Walters, to be frank, so I'm wholly unprepared. However, from the clips that I watched, it looks like he manipulates his slider to like two different shapes where he has like a sharper, like more horizontal one and one that almost loops like a slurve. It's kind of like very Dustin May-ish in that way because I watched him kind of do the same thing and when I saw him in the minor leagues. So having that feel for spin gives me at least something where I think, you know, maybe there's something there. And if he throw and he throws hard, so maybe if there's more velo in there, it can act as a, a second, a third pitch, so to speak, as he develops a, a change up or some other secondary. This reminds me of the Ben Kaderna pick where it's mm-hmm. you're gonna have to overpay to get him out of a of a big college, but the stuff has come on so late that you're kind of buying early. You're trying to get in on the bottom floor. Um I Again, if it wasn't a prep right hand, like this is the thing too. Like people are like, well, just because he's a prep, I saw that just because he's a prep catcher doesn't mean anything. It's like, well, yeah, but we say that all the time. We say that all the time. Doesn't matter. We're just going to take him anyway because we like him. It's like, well, at some point, history doesn't lie to you anymore. It's telling you to stop doing this thing, and that's where the the meme came in that Marcus and Mike you commented on is. You know, people keep deluding themselves into thinking, oh, this will work for us. This one's different. And it never <laughs> is. However, Walters and Mitchell cornering the market on Blake's. Um, yeah. These are two guys. Like, if you're going to take a prep catcher, prep right handed pitcher, like, okay, these are the two. But history keeps telling us this is the bad idea. It's a futile exercise. You're better off doing something else, even if you really like them. Um, I just, we'll see. I saw, I saw something on Twitter that said, and I have no idea if this is true. I did not fact check this or anything, but they say if, you know, what, if Blake Mitchell gets a hit in major league baseball, he'll have the first one of somebody, a catcher since Joe Mauer, the first Mm -hmm. uh, from a catcher drafted in the first round since Joe Mauer. And it's like drafted in the first round. Yeah. Sorry. Prep catcher drafted in the first round. That is insane. Joe Maurer retired like five years ago. Yeah. Joe Maurer's a friggin' borderline Hall of Famer. Yeah. And that's yeah, great. Yeah. And it, soon. He's a borderline Hall of Famer. He'll soon. be there soon <laughs> because he's he hasn't played forever. Like, that is a crazy oh statistic. Like, I've never that's that's just wild to me. Um, yeah, I I cannot I can't and and, and people, you know, I, when we got off earlier and I went onto Twitter and you know, I had a bunch of notifications and stuff. People were like, you know, why are you, some people were like, why are you bashing? You're just so negative. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> I'm not going to lie and say the Royals hit nothing but home runs today, guys. Turnarounds here. Right. Like, no, they played a really risky game. Sometimes it hits big, but I would don't go thinking like, oh, this is, this is a for sure thing. Cause it really isn't. Last year's pick, Gavin Cross, was much more of a sure thing, and he's not doing great. Um, you know, it, it's going to be tough. Uh, it will be exciting, though. That's the one thing you can say. You know, it's going to be exciting to watch uh, both of these guys so far in their development. It'll be really exciting to see the plan for Blake Mitchell. Um, you know, I think I think Walters probably starts, you know, in rookie ball. It'll be, you know, that, that, that one makes a little less sense to me than the Mitchell pick. But, yeah, oof. Royals taking Here's some big my swings. 
Yeah, that's the thing. And we, we went with a bunch of analogies to, to, to you, Mike, you said it's like drafting a running back in the first round or, you know, it's, it's, it's different things. These analogies, in my mind, the only thing that's coming to mind with taking both of these guys is it's like the Royals are playing roulette and they've put their money on green, right? <laughs> exactly. And, <laughs> and hey, hey, if green hits, they're, they're swimming in dough. Right. Like, and they have some control over whether or not green hits. Right. It's all in the player development at this point. They are saying with these picks, they are saying we trust our player development a lot. Right. Mm -hmm. They're saying that a bunch because these guys are raw dough. Nobody's saying that these guys don't have potential. Everyone's saying they have potential. The question is, you know, they are also very high variance. And so which one of those plays out? Is it the potential or is it the variance? You see what I'm saying? And yeah. so I, I just think, you know, I want, I want our audience to have a very uh, clear understanding of what we're saying. We may not grade this draft very high because it lacks a lot of certainty. Maybe there were guys we would rather have had and all that sort of stuff, but that doesn't mean we don't think they have potential. It just means we might, we think that there might be a chance they don't ever hit it. Mike? I want to, I want to put this question to the group here. Do you think picks like this, and let's say 66, they go with another guy that's like really high risk. They go with another prep player, and maybe it's even another prep pitcher or something like that. Do you think this is a hint at their model? Their model is going to be in the first few rounds, we're trying to hit home runs. After that, we're going to go safe. We'll go safe after that with, they need a lot of arms. So maybe they go college arms after that or whatever. First three, it's just swinging for the fences. Is that their model now? Like, is it going to be, we're taking whoever we think can be a superstar in this league. And then after that, we'll play it safe. Do you think that's what it is? Uh, it's not very much of a model. Like, not, I mean, you're not using statistics for it, but. <laughs> okay. That could be, that could be, a, that's a strategy. Strategy. A Let's model. go strategy. Model, Sorry. Like, it is definition. one of the strategies of all time. <laughs> it is one of them. Um, the thing with a model, like a model has to, you give the model information and it spits out the players most likely to create an impact in the big league level. Neither of the players they selected would come out of a model as being like, hey, this guy has a good chance of helping your big league team. And what we've seen, and, and the problem is like, look, I one thing that really pisses me off is people who are like, Oh, you're too the, the too pessimistic. Like like you said, like you hit on the head. I'm not gonna lie. Like the 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 history of what we're talking about suggests this is an awful idea. It doesn't mean I don't like the players, it doesn't mean I don't like the Royals, it doesn't mean I don't think it's gonna work. I don't think it's gonna work, but it doesn't inherently mean I don't think that. I'm just telling you that based on history based on actual models and based on the teams who do this really well, the Royals are doing the antithesis of it. The Baltimore Orioles don't draft this way. The Houston Astros don't draft this way. The teams who draft and develop really well don't draft this way. That might be okay. You might hit. It might work. Statistically speaking, it doesn't work. Your farm system is not very good. Your big league team sucks donkey balls. You have done nothing to prove to me that I should trust you. So when you make a pick like this, I'm going to say something like, hey, I like that player. Not a safe pick. Maybe not a very good pick. It doesn't mean it won't work. And 
if the Royals had any like background of proving that they know what they're doing, I would understand people like getting on there and saying like, oh, quit being so pessimistic. We're talking about a team who has epically failed at this for a decade or more. It's like at some point it's okay to be critical and say, hey, this isn't the safest route you're going down. Like you better make sure you know what you're doing because so far – Frank Mazzucato is good. A lot of walk issues. I'm a little concerned about his inability to walk pe- or his inability to throw strikes and the fact that he's still throwing 92. Carter Jensen's hitting less than 190 at high A. Granted, he's very young, does some things well. Still hitting less than 190. I know batting average still. Ben Coderna's probably the best of that group. Peyton Wilson wasn't even on fan graphs now. I disagree with it, but a, a major prospect evaluator looked at Peyton Wilson and said, not a top 42 prospect in that system. Um, like th- some of these drafts aren't working out. It is okay to be critical and say, hey, you haven't been hitting on your picks lately. You might want to change up what you're doing a little bit because you could be doing a better job in some capacity. And that's all we're saying. Yes. We are going to go around of grades and then we'll probably take another break until 66 comes up. Alex, let's start with you. What is your grade for the second pick? B minus. All right. You're going to stick with that? How long do you hold again. on to the – all right. All right. Uh, Joel, yours. Oh, C. You can never – Alex, go ahead and explain it if you want to explain it. It's tremendous upside. Like I get mm-hmm. it. Like in some capacity, yeah. I get it. The upside is unbelievable. But again, there's just a lot of flaws that go with that. Sorry. C for you, Joel? Yeah. Because it could work, it might not work. All right. You guys are softies, man. D, you're lucky it's not an F, okay? And it's and again, it is not because I think he's bad, because I think he has he has the same potential that Cardona had last year. He has the same potential that I, I was a big fan of Show and Wetter. I think, you know, I think he could have been a, a good kind of guy. Same kind of potential as a lot of those guys that are there right-handed prep pitchers in that spot. The problem is the risk. The risk is insane, especially coupled with the pick that you took in the first round. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I can't, I can't look at these picks and go, you hit it out of the park. Now, sometimes a failing or a kid that gets a D next year gets an A. If they come in and light up their first year in professional baseball, I will eat my words. But uh, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not smart drafting in my opinion it's not a smart way to approach it um real quick you mentioned the astros earlier uh i I think it's uh, sean i'm blanking on his last name he was on your spaces this morning newkirk newkirk yes he put out something where that i thought was perfect for this he and i said something back to him on twitter earlier he saw who the uh astros drafted i think in in round one there's a kid out of nebraska named bryce matthews bryce matthews is ranked the 57th best player on mlb pipeline Okay. And he's like, well, yeah, I saw that and I go, what the hell are they doing? And then I saw it was the Astros and I go, well, maybe they know something that we don't. The Astros have earned that to your point. The Royals have not earned that. They have not earned us going, okay, well, they know what they're doing because they haven't shown us they know what they're doing. And so I can't go, oh man, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. Obviously we have to wait and see. That's very obvious. Obviously these guys could turn into very good players because they have talent. But you can't go, well, they, they really owned this draft. You know, they were playing, you know, 4D, 3D chess and everybody else was just playing checkers. Like, no, that's not, 
you can't say that about this. It looks like the Royals just had the riskiest two picks when you combine them together in this draft. And yet, if Frank, if two of Mazzucato, Kaderna, and Jensen hit, could we then say, oh, they've they've started to earn it a little bit? They've started to earn the benefit of the doubt. Uh, who knows? We'll see. Because remember, nobody thought that the Mazzucato pick made any sense either, right? It made a little more sense when they signed Kaderna and Jensen, but everybody was like, oh, I don't know. Their development pitching-wise sucks anyway, you know? We'll see. We'll see. I don't know. Um, thank you so much for joining us, for jumping back in. I'm, I'll give a grade to it. I'm going to give uh, – I'll go C-plus on my grade for the Walters pick. I think he's uh, – I think they probably know a lot about him and what he is right now. And and really like what Alex was saying about, about how he looks like he's on the upswing in terms of his development, in terms of his gaining velocity, increasing spin and things like that. And so uh, I'm interested in that pick. I think it's a pretty decent pick when you think about other pitchers who went fairly high in this draft. I mean, what's the distinction between Noble Meyer and this guy if this guy's throwing the ball 95 to 97 and spinning it real crazy? Is it? 40 picks like was the difference or 35 picks like was the difference. I don't know. Um, anyway, that's my two cents. Please come back. We'll come back around uh, pick 66 and, and say some more about what happens there. Uh, yeah. Thanks for joining us guys. Appreciate it. Welcome back to Royals weekly live edition late night. Let's call it Royals weekly after dark. Cause <laughs> Alex has a nice little dark thing going on here, uh, which probably fits his mood and also, when does silk stocking start? <laughs> That's going to be a reference for That's the late be 30s probably crowd. Probably a little too uh, old for Alex on the uh, early 40s crowd. Uh, we are just about to hit the Royals at pick at 66. Uh, so far, they have taken Blake Mitchell, catcher from Texas, high school catcher from Texas, and Blake Walters, high school pitcher from Illinois, right-hander. We talked a little bit about both of those in our previous uh, live uh, viewings here. Alex, Mike, you both had a chance to go back, read more about Blake Walters, look at some more video. Any new thoughts on what you on that last pick for the Royals of Blake Walters? No new thoughts. Yeah. I uh, had my, new thoughts. Oh, yeah. My new thoughts are just he does have a live arm. I will say that. Um, but you and I kind of discussed a lot of guys at that spot have live arms. A lot of right-handed prep pitchers have live arms. Um, it's it's going to be years of development to get him to major league baseball and the road of that development is fraught with danger. So, uh, yeah, still way too risky for my, uh, my liking. Okay. I liked what I was seeing when I looked at some more video. Uh, I especially liked the things that I liked were that like he has put on muscle. He has gotten stronger. He is throwing 95, 97 topping 99. According to some, I do think that the secondaries aren't close to there. I think he needs a development with those, but you know, he has a slider. He has a changeup. I'd love for them to add a fourth. We'll see on that one. Guys you like who are still available. Both of you go. Well, I mentioned Hunter Owen. Uh, if they're going to kip with the high school route, Cameron Johnson is still there. Um, Cole Schoenwetter is still there. I like him a lot. Both both uh, prep pitchers. Cameron Johnson's a lefty. Uh, Schoenwetter's a righty. Uh, if you're looking prep bat, I like Cooper Pratt a little bit. I don't love him, but I like him. If you're going college, I really like Hunter Owen. Um, Jack Hurley is still there, surprisingly. He's not going to be a, you know, he's more of a high floor kind of a guy, um, but he'd be an interesting pick. So any one of those guys I think would be, I'd be okay with. Marcus, what are you fist? One of the guys I'm a fan of just got taken. Cole Carrig. Cole Carrig. Yeah. Uh, I like I the really overall like, profile. 
I really like Travis Sycora. Like, if you're going to take a prep right-handed pitcher, Travis Sycora seems like a um, a more analytically inclined pick. He's six six, but he he throws like Emmett Sheehan, where he kind of comes around the ball a little bit in order to so vertical approach. Like, if you're if you're real big, remember Chris Young, he drove the ball down. Um, what you want in a guy like Emmett Sheehan, where they come around the side of the ball a little bit and they can spin the ball a little more horizontally it allows the ball to ride through the top of the zone. That's what kind of what we talk about with vertical approach angle. It's a very similar change that Chris Bubich made last offseason that had his fastball working better. It's like Cora 6-6, but instead of driving the ball down, he kind of comes off to the side a little bit, spinning it this way to get that um, horizontal spin. And his fastball rides to the top of the zone well. And he his slider might be a top five breaking ball in the draft because it is, I mean, he is coming from this slot and his fastball stays vertical, and his slider comes off and sweeps. Um, I really like Travis Sycora here. He's a guy who I came on to a little bit late in the process. Uh, Brandon Winokur is still available. Liam Peterson is another huge uh, prep fastball guy. The, the guy that I'm going to keep my eye on is Kiefer Lord. He's a righty out of Washington who just didn't have the results that maybe you'd think uh, for, for a college pitcher. But the stuff kind of matches, like, reminds me of John and Heasley in the 13th round, where it's just like the stuff doesn't make sense for what he's not doing in college, but the Royals are picking. So let's just stop, I guess. That, that pick is in. They have chosen Carson Rockefort, a center fielder from Louisiana. This is not LSU. This is, I'm guessing, what do we call this? Did it used to have a different name, maybe? Uh, this looks like the Raging Cajuns or something. Is it ULO? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it is the Raging Cajuns. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, this is uh, Carson Rockefort. Anybody have thoughts on Carson Rockefort taking a, a college hitter here with this pick at 66? Center fielder, athletic guy. Uh, I have only remember reading a few things about him. Uh, I think a guy who's you're going to see with a little bit more uh, floor than some of the other guys that they're taking up to this point. And so maybe there is a conscious effort there to be like, maybe we need some guys in this draft who, you know, have a decent chance of making it to major league baseball. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on, on Carson Rockefort? It seems like a guy that I, I gave up on at one point. Cause I, when I started doing like a, di- a deep dive into the draft, I just, I stopped at, at guys like this. Um, you mentioned it. it's a very much a safer profile. So this reminds me of the Vinny Pasquantino pick because when Vinny Pasquantino was drafted, huge sophomore season, gets hurt, didn't have a great junior year. Carson Rockefeller is a sophomore at Louisiana Lafayette, went nuclear, 16 home runs, 11 doubles, a 11.07 OPS. Strikeouts to walk ratio was was close to one, more strikeouts, but it was close. And then 25 stolen bases. And then this year, um, I don't know if it was a health thing. I don't know if it was an approach thing, but he only hit eight home runs, but he hit 26 doubles. He stole 22 bags. Strikeouts were way up, but walks were up. And his OPS was 200 points lower than it was as a sophomore. He had a bad year on the Cape last summer. It seems like that's kind of pick where you're trying to like, okay, if Brandon Walt, if Blake Walters was getting in on the bottom floor, this is trying to buy a guy cheaper post hype. Um, I would assume maybe this is a money-saving pick. I don't know how you would be overpaying for this. Um, but if you needed some money to pay for Blake Mitchell and Blake Walters, then maybe um, 
you know, Carson Rockefort can be that pit, that money saver as well. Do not say that. Do not say, do not put that into the universe that they need more money to play Big Mitchell. I, they do not need more money to play Big Mitchell. They don't need it. That's crazy. You know who this guy reminds me of right out the gate? Sal Frelick. Oh, there. Right? No. Now don't he's not start there. with the Sal Frelick stuff. He's not First there. Off, well, he I had to close to that. He's not close <laughs> to that, right? Because Sal Frelick is going to be a solid Major League Baseball player, like I predicted he would be. So don't tell me, because both of you were on the anti-Sal He's got a 105 trait. ISO in AAA. Let's, let's hey, slow down there a little bit. He also plays, he also plays a very good center field. He's, well, this, this is why I think this guy could be very much like that, right? And so I've read up a little bit on him previously, and I think I remember them saying that he made some swing adjustments, or that his swing is different this year it's he's intentionally not it's a flatter swing it's given him more ground balls and less leverage on the ball and he's not driving it as much and as a result he's sort of made a mistake right Uh, he needs to go back to hitting more line drives a little bit more leverage with the ball solid athletic profile i think he can stick in center field is he ever going to be the question i always ask when they take a center fielder is is he ever going to be better than the other center fielders they could have right and i don't have an answer to that question because right now they actually don't have a ton of what I would call like legit center field prospects in their system. Um, I don't know if he's a legit one or if he's just another guy, but a college hitter, a guy who they were looking, I think you're absolutely right, Alex. I think they're trying to buy the dip here. I think they're like, Oh, you know, if he had hit the same way as a junior, as he did as a sophomore, he'd be going, you know, at the back end of the first round, maybe somewhere in the middle of the second, let's get him uh, here at the end of the second round, really. Um, And, and, gain ourselves a little bit of value there, but honestly not a dude they'll have to overpay for. I don't think. And they should under exactly like they shouldn't have to pay him at all. No, they'll, they'll give him slot at this pick. I'm sure. But I don't know why you would ever need to pay more than that. I think maybe they'll have to overpay for Walters. Maybe, but I don't, I'm not, not that much. And so it'll be curious. How are they going to spend their money? Cause if they, if they give Blake Mitchell slot value, I am going to just not be happy. That's my thing. Like, okay, Blake Mitchell, you would think has to be saving you some money. I understand maybe paying Walters a little bit more. I would get that to keep him from going to college. Okay. Especially since, you know, I don't know where he's committed to Arizona. I think, you know, okay. Keep him away from Arizona. That's fine. I would think this has to be slightly under slot as well so that you can go out and get Maybe there's some guys they're targeting in later rounds that are that they're going to have to give money to. I can't imagine who that would be or why you would do that. Um, this is baffling to me, in a sense. Now, I will say this. If you're looking at their organization as a whole, I agree with you, Mark. I don't think there's a whole lot of center field depth in their organization as a whole. You look at guys like Diego Hernandez uh, coming back off of injury here. Peyton Wilson hasn't had a whole lot of run in center. Um, so I don't really know after that, who you're talking about prospect wise in center field. So I do understand. Okay. But there were still some really, I mean, Cameron Johnson's still out there Mm -hmm. there. I mean, there's still a whole lot of other guys I would have taken. Even if you're looking, um, college bat, Jack Hurley is still out there. Jack Hurley. If you're looking for a center fielder, Jack Hurley is still out there. Like, and Jack Hurley I mean, I, he doesn't have the power profile of, of Gavin Cross, but I think Jack Hurley is a better athlete in center. I think I I would actually compare those two in, in certain ways, not in all ways, obviously. But um, 
yeah, Jack Hurley, I think, is probably a better potential prospect than uh, Carson Rockefort. Um, but we'll see. I mean, it's just some of these picks are so baffling tonight. Uh, Alex, do you have any more thoughts on uh, Rockefort and why they might have chosen him? You want to you want to know what grade I'm going to give that pick? Yeah, B minus. <laughs> Nobody no, fails, really, Mister Duvall's class. I'm really, I I'm, mean, I'm really okay with it. Like, I, it's it's not the most <laughs> overwhelming pick in the world, but there's a good profile here to work with. And and if you look at his sophomore season, he really hit the crap out of the ball. Like, there is clearly something here that the Royals could build on. And, and I'm serious, like. The the profile works. You look at a Vinny Pasquantino, guys gave up on him because of his junior season, and you're able to get him at a discount. If Carson Rockefort replicates his junior year, or his sophomore year as a junior, he's not still here. He's going in the first two rounds. And so I think when you really consider like what there is to work with and what he's produced in the past and the changes he's tried to make and what the Royals might be able to do with him, I think you're looking at a pick that Honestly, would you be? I mean, nobody should be surprised if he's the first pick in the draft class to the big leagues. I mean, this is this is a very Diego Hernandez ish pick. Diego Hernandez is one of the top twenty prospects in the system. So, um, I I won't have him. I might have Rockefeller in front of Walters on my first list that comes out this week. Um, We'll see how he hits. I think he sent him straight to Columbia and see what happens. But I think this is a better pick than the than the Walters pick. That's interesting to me because they are in some ways diametrically opposed picks in terms of philosophy, right? Because Rockefort definitely represents a floor, right? Whereas Walters definitely represents a ceiling with a lot more variance and a lot more risk. And it's like, okay, which one of these? But if you take both of them within the first three rounds, you're also sort of saying like, we're not going to have a coherent that's not actually true because you probably <laughs> do want a mix of both of those things, right? You don't want to sell out for ceiling, take, tw- you know, 20 guys who, you know, all have a 2% chance of making it to major league baseball. But, you know, I, I, so I understand that, but Rockefort, I think if you look at him, you're saying we're buying the 60 run grade, right? We're buying the fact that he can stick in center. And so there's a, there's a, there's a solid floor for him there. Right. If we can get him back to what he was doing his sophomore year at Louisiana, then we have something really to work with. And you've mentioned a guy on your Twitter timeline a thousand times so far this year, Javier Vaz, a guy that the Royals got later in the draft last year, ended up being a, he was a productive college hitter, has been pretty productive at the major league level, probably not quite the defender that Rockefort can be. Um, and so we'll see. But he's a guy who, you know, it's interesting because those first two picks are going to just infuriate some Royals fans because of how risky they are. Well, then this rich, this pick should make those people happy because it's a lot safer, if that makes sense. Here's the difference between the two picks that you guys are talking about and the one today. You're talking about Vinny Pasquantino. You're talking about Javier Vaz. Vinny Pasquantino went in the 11th. When did Vaz go? Anybody know? Anybody remember? I 14. I can't remember. Yeah, but 14. if you but if you're if you're redrafting, that's what I'm saying. Like Vinny Pasquantino, if you redrafted today, would be one of the first ten picks in the draft of his class. Of course, but my question is, could is this a guy you could have gotten in two rounds? Uh, maybe. But if somebody, if you can get him cheaper, if you can save slot value money to give to, by the way, Cameron Johnson's still there. So you give somebody like a Cameron Johnson money later 
then it doesn't really matter what you're paying Rockefort per se. It matters how much you're saving on the front end. So if you can get Rockefort and save money, like let's let's use Vinny then. Okay, so we, you take Vinny in the eleventh round. Let's say that Rockefort costs you half a million dollars in the eleventh round. You're actually minus a hundred thousand on your bonus pool. But if you pay Rockefort a million where you drafted him, then you're plus a hundred thousand or whatever the slot value is, right? You're you're plus yeah, money there. So you might pay him more money, but in the grand scheme of things, it's plus minus where you are in your bonus pool to give to other players. So we know that Alex is a B minus with this pick. Very uh, way to break the mold on, on what you're doing there, Alex. Mike. What are you on this pick as a grade? Oh, I'll probably go with a C on this one. I'm a pretty tough grader, apparently. I didn't, I don't know, but uh, yeah. I'll go with a C because I do think you buy into the stuff that he did as a sophomore. I do think you buy into the fact that he has at least shown the ability to make adjustments. Maybe they weren't good adjustments. Maybe you need to go back to what you were doing. Um, but yeah, I, I think there is something to, to work with here. And of course the floor seems a lot higher in that. And it, it, it is a position of organizational need as far as up and down the whole system. You need guys that can play center field because you don't have very many. Um, go ahead and get one that you know can at least do that. And if you feel like you can work with him on um, the swing, work with him to get back to where he was, uh, that's something that you do. So I'll give it a C. I'm not, although I will say this, comprehensively tonight, I am a little disappointed. Just thinking out loud, okay. Marcus, I know you, you may have a better idea than Mike on this specifically. If you had to, I have a lot of better ideas than Mike. That's like a general thing. (laughs) Yes, correct. But he's better looking, so damn straight. The better looking identical twin. Um, (laughs) If you had to take a guess as to where you would rank these three in terms of in the system right now, just just a general ballpark, like top five, five to ten, ten to fifteen, where would you have them? That is tough. You know that unlike you, I am more. Uh, willing to give guys credit for what they've done in professional baseball. And so a a lot of evaluators, they'll take these guys from the draft and put them immediately at the top of prospect lists. And I understand why, you know, high potential because we haven't seen anything from them in professional baseball. I'm not like that. And so Blake Mitchell is going to be behind Mazzucato for sure. He's going to be behind uh, Kaderna. He's going to be behind... um, I would say probably Caden Wallace. He's going to be behind. This is going to sound crazy to some people, but I'm going to put him behind Gavin Cross. I'll I'll, I'll hold out one more year's worth it's worth of crazy. hope for Gavin Cross. Um, so you're saying five? He's in probably. He's yeah. He well, I would even say closer to more like six to nine for me for Mitchell. Uh, Walters will be right behind him. Honestly, I think those are two almost identical picks, and so I'll put Walters at. 11 to 13 probably. And then uh, Rockefort is going to come in at the back end of the teens or front end of the twenties for me, probably. How would you compare Mitchell and Carter Jensen? How would I compare Mitchell and Carter Jensen? They would be close to each other. They would be close together, but Mitchell would probably be just above him. Just in a ranking. In large part for me, because coming out Mitchell, I do, do think has, a slight edge defensively over what Carter Jensen had when he was coming out. And then I think the hit tool for Mitchell is going to be better than Jensen's. And so 
but we'll see. I mean, that's so close. They're going to be so close. They would be right next to each other virtually. I mean, how far apart are they in age? Not Mitchell's very. Mitchell's ni- nineteen Mitchell's now. Or Mitchell's be old 19. for a yeah. for a guy coming out of high Not school. Far. And so they're yeah, they're close. They might- let's, let's let's look up Carter Jensen just real quick because twenty. Uh, so, so he they just are exactly, be, a year. and I think in August Mitchell will be nineteen. Yes. So now here's the thing: they're exactly a year, but remember Carter Jensen was taken two years ago, right? <laughs> Back in 2021. They are only years a year apart, baseball. right? Uh, and so, yeah, those two those two could be playing together at LSU right now, huh? When did he just turn when August? When Blake Mitchell? It's in when August, I'm pretty sure. Did you find that? He, tell me he's going to turn 20 in August. No, he'll be 19 that, in August. Oh, uh, no, I'm pretty sure he's already 19. Is he really? No, he's about to turn 19. He's about to turn 19? He's about to turn 19. Okay. Yeah. All right. So yeah, that's Blake August Mitchell. 3rd. I still would have him. August third. So they're so one month. So they are, they are, uh, what is that? Thirteen months apart. Yeah, that is crazy. That is crazy to me, uh, because they were taken two years apart in the draft. Uh, but yeah, I think I'll take Mitchell. Uh, <clears throat> Who else was that right, old high right school phenom Jensen. we took once at five? Who was old for his class? Bubba Starling. Yeah. <laughs> You know, Bubba and Blake Mitchell have the same birthday. Exact same birthday? Son of a bitch. (laughs) I still have faith in you, Blake Mitchell. Come on, buddy. All right, guys, last question, and then we're done for the night because I have to somehow mishmash all this together. Um, I want a grade for the whole first day. B minus. I want to know. You do not (laughs) I know what your grade for the whole first day is. How could it be anything else? (laughs) You gave them all B minuses. Mike, what's your grade for the first day? You don't want that. <laughs> it's I do. Not, it's I do not good. Uh, my grade for the first day is a D minus, man. Ooh, all risk. That is rough. I mean, so much risk. So but much it's not risk. No reward. But it's not no reward, right? Like right now, it's no reward. <laughs> well, for everyone, it's no. <laughs> Let reward me put it this right way. Now. Let me put it this way. If an insurance agent came up and said, "Hey, do you want to insure this draft? How much would the premiums be for the Royals?" It'd be high. They had the riskiest picks all day. Yeah. That's they true. had the riskiest that picks true. that were taken today. They would have the that highest insurance premiums on this draft. That is that insane is to me for an organization who is in the situation that they are in. That is true. So I will D- give minus. them a C minus. I will give them and a it, C minus because I like the fact that they took upside, right? It would have disappointed me more if they had taken three Rockaforts. If they had taken Jacob Wilson and freaking, you know, name a guy. I can't think of a, a dude at 44, but just some, you know, shortstop who's not really a shortstop, decent hit tool, no power, filled out physically, all that type of thing. If they had taken that three times, I'd be way more pissed than I am right now. The fact is, yeah, it's a it's a small chance that Blake Mitchell will hit and Walters will hit, but it's give me it, here's the thing we got to tell There's not a great chance that either one of them hit. Okay, yeah. like if you said bet on this, either both of them will make one All Star game in their careers, or both, both of, of them, them will never make it to Major League Baseball. Which one is more likely? Both of them will never make it to Major League Baseball. That's what we're dealing with, Royals fans. That's yeah. what we're dealing with. 
Okay. That said, it is more likely th- that neither one of them makes it to major league baseball than both of them make a single all-star game in their careers. That said, part of that is because one of them is a pitcher, right? And so, you know, there's that risk, which, you know, we do have to take into account, but I think that the likelihood that Mitchell makes it to the major leagues is very good. I think he'll make it to Major League Baseball. Bubba I think Starling his ability made it to, to hit, Major League Baseball. They will force the those I, first round picks to Major League Baseball. Yeah, I think that his ability happen. to hit will get him to Major League Baseball. Will he succeed and excel in Major League Baseball? That's a whole other conversation, I think, for another time. Alex, you look perplexed by something. Do you remember the kids from the Little League World Series? Like one of the kids' names was like Cash Money or something. Yeah. No, a, but that sounds awesome. And he, and he had a brother. Do you remember his brother's first name? No. No. Easy? Easy money? Oh, yeah, that'd be, that'd be a good one, too. <laughs> yes! No! This is him. This is him. Dude. <laughs> is he getting drafted? Yes! I didn't know this. <laughs> What's his name? Blake Money. Blake. <laughs> we gotta take him. We're on the Blake we train now. Him. We're on the wait. Blake train. Wait, wait, wait. How do you no. name one of your kids Cash Money <gasps> and the other one Blake? Yes. Like if I were Blake, this I would feel him. so bad. I'd be pissed. Myself. I'd be like, I, I, I was looking because I, I joked that they're cornering the market on Blake. So I searched Baseball America's draft register for Blakes, and I saw Blake Money on here at number four, not thirty nine. I'm like, now hang on, is that Cash Money's brother? That is Cash Money's brother. <laughs> it's Blake Money. Uh, if I'm Blake, all I'm thinking every day is why I got to be Blake. You know? Okay, so there, there, there are five more Blakes on Baseball America's top five hundred. We can get left-handed pitcher Blake Dickerson. Blake. Dickerson is from Virginia, high school pitcher, high school left-handed pitcher. Blake Wright is a shortstop out of Clemson. Blake Morningstar is a high school right-handed pitcher from Pennsylvania. Blake Grimmer, high school school shortstop from Michigan. And Blake Money, baby, right-handed pitcher out of LSU. So there are five I want Blake Money. There are five more opportunities for the Royals to draft a Blake left for the rest of the draft. You know what? It'd probably um, make more sense than the shit they did today. Would it make you feel better <laughs> if they drafted all the Blakes? Like At th- this maybe point, they yeah. do have a model. Maybe they do have a process. <laughs> Here's the model. Our model is take Blakes. <laughs> all of the Blakes. We're gonna take all of them. One of them has to be one of them has to be good. That's right. Somebody uh, say named Blakes Blake. are extremely successful in Major League Baseball. Can you think of a successful Blake? I cannot, but Wait, we can look this up on Fangraph. I can look up all the Blakes. Hang on. <laughs> what are you just bored or <laughs> Blake Snell? Oh, oh yeah, I forgot about obviously. Him. I yeah. forgot his name was Blake. He's... I just call him Snell. I forgot yeah. he was well, Blake. He's he's getting shanked for the All Star game, and he? he didn't get shanked. In there. He's gonna... Blake Trinan. Yeah, he's like the. Blake Snell's like got like a bunch of like number one and everything, but he didn't make the All Star team. Blake right. Sayball. Blake Snell's pitching for Blake, San Diego, right? Blake Perkins. Blake Perkins made the big leagues. Remember him? Yeah, yeah. Minnesota. Yeah, we're right? getting, it's a real shallow pool of Blakes in the MLB ranks. Hey, apparently there's a guy named Sheriff Blake. Hang on. Whoa. There's a guy named <laughs> Sheriff. Right, we've gone 1920 we've gone to 1937. Sheriff Blake was worth 15 wins in his career. So see, there is a, pretty good. Well, maybe you have to be named Sheriff Officer Blake. <laughs> uh, on that note, we're going to call it for tonight's uh, draft coverage. Thank you for joining us, Weekly Weirdos, for watching the live draft. We really appreciate it. This will come out tomorrow as a um, as an episode on our podcasting platforms. I forgot to do any of the advertising, so I might just do that on my own and put it in that uh, 
those podcasting apps. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. We'll see you again next week. Until then, be good to each other. Go Royals.